I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan. You got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. Nobody? But nobody. It's John Wick. This is Days of Films Past, a podcast dedicated to exploring the legacy of cinema. Each and every week, we discuss a different movie that made a lasting impression on viewers like us. I'm James Kennedy. And I'm Ellie Edwards. And this week, we'll be discussing John Wick, starring Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Mm. First impression thoughts. That's on you, man. Oh. I'm on my probably 20th impression. Yeah, that's why. What did you think of it overall? What did I think about the movie that... I told you we had to watch? Yeah. Still love it. <laughs> Your uh, first time watching, how'd it hit you? Ooh, it was a good movie. However, I had some bad things to say about it. Hmm. You Let, did tell me your second watch was more, you zeroed in on some things. Yeah, I did. But because it, it took the first one, I had to just, you know, watch it for what it was. And then the second one was like me digesting it in a way where I can finally see it. Outside of what, what what was portrayed, if I didn't say this before, my favorite movie of all time is D Matrix. Did you say D Matrix? The Matrix, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, The Matrix. You no, you told me that. Yeah, the, so that when it comes to that being my all time favorite, this one had almost a nostalgia to it because it's Keanu Reeves, and let's be honest, this motherfucker didn't, doesn't grow at all. <laughs> Oh, he grows. He grows, but you can't you can't really tell. He until, doesn't really age very much. Though. Yeah, you can't really tell until you go back and wa- watch. Yeah, his older films, but okay. I didn't think he changed much. Do you want to know some of the ties to the Matrix it has? Yeah, I mean, I kind of see some resemblances, the suit and all that. But go well, ahead. You know what? We'll do the breakdown of the movie. Okay. <laughs> which which really just means we get a quick summary off of imdb and paste it so an ex-hitman comes out of retirement to track down the gangsters that killed his dog and took everything from him and that is from amet kozan of imdb now let's get to it mm-hmm. it's a, we usually do info on directors if we're even following our our plan which isn't actually usually the case but right. we're going to do it right now the directors there's two only one's credited but they both directed, and they are both stuntmen of Keanu Reeves. What? You didn't do any research, you son of a bitch. I did do some research. <laughs> I actually did, but I didn't do research okay, on this them. Is the, this is the most important part of the whole thing. So screenwriter, eh, we'll get, to it. we'll get to his name later. But the screenwriter developed this story and pitched it and sold it. Mm-hmm. And he sold a rough draft of the screenplay. And so they wanted to get kind of a bankable star that seemed like it fit the role. So originally it started off as going to be an older guy. It was going to be like in his 60s. Yeah. 
And they're like, you know what? Instead of going for an older guy. Someone that people let's, can. Yeah, let's go somebody that's been around been for around, a while. Yeah. You know, that people know and mm -hmm. recognize. Which makes sense once you actually kind of wrap your head around this character. Because he is famous in the world in which he lives for doing a job that he shouldn't be famous for. Because that yeah. kind of is a hindrance in the real world. But it was initially like planned out. And they brought in Keanu Reeves. And Keanu Reeves helped develop it further. And... One of the big things that he brought to and the screenwriter recognized deeply was first his character was developed, but all the other, you know, side characters mm -hmm. weren't developed very far. Yeah. So they worked to develop all the characters he surrounds himself with, which a lot of prop actors might not be so concerned about. But he understood, like, you know, if you really want to bring people into this world, give it fully fleshed out, including all the side characters as well. Yeah. I think I read about that. It was that. 52 page thing on google is what i looked up <laughs> and it was all about the director's cut director's edit or whatever oh i haven't seen that mm. it's actually that's what i read it was like, okay so so keanu's developing this with the screenwriter building out this world and then he knows that action is going to be that's what this movie is it's it's all about action mm -hmm. one action scene after another building through the whole the whole thing until, until the climax and it's non-stop it's fast-paced and he thought he should bring in some people and he said that he kind of had it at the back of his mind but he initially brought in david leitch and ooh, where is he I, chad i just always mess up his last name chad stahelski stahelski stahelhiskis chad <laughs> david and chad <laughs> yeah so he brings them in, and they were his stuntmen in the Matrix movies. They've worked with him for years, mm. but their most famous work with him would be the Matrix movies. Yeah, you know, and they were his stuntmen. They worked obviously a ton of fights. So he's in the back of his mind. He said that he was hoping that they would want to direct it, and they did. So that's this the focus on action. Like these guys, that's what they do. Yeah. They live that mm -hmm. as their careers for, you know, probably at least since the 90s, maybe earlier. Yeah. So he brought them in and then they kept developing it and they, they realized, you know, let's build out this world and like, let's give some people really something to kind of chew onto, but not give them too much away, leave a little bit of mystery. Mm -hmm. And that's where I... That's where I actually prefer this one over the sequels is that they left, you know, more of it as a mystery than you, but they start digging more and more and we'll watch, we'll watch, we're definitely watching two and eventually we might watch three, mm -hmm. but I felt like they kind of like, they gave you too much. Like it was, it, it, nothing's a mystery anymore. It's just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. On, you're talking about the twos and threes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, two, two still had enough. Two's phenomenal. It had, it's better than any sequel to this movie has a right to be because what makes this movie is kind of it's it's so new and a fresh take on doing action mm -hmm. and action scenes and building a story around it like they built a story around it, it kind of it would it reminds me of jackie chan movies in that way the, the classics okay the story is built to facilitate this action but jackie well no not but for jackie but jackie chan movies they definitely did that well mm -hmm. but this one is more story than you would get out of one of those you know and there's actually more going on and that kind of came from everybody saying you know what let's just have all this stuff there 
and then but not let it bog down the movement. Okay. So I like I like that a lot about this movie. So it's because your your take on two and three that gives you more in depth feelings on the one, or is it just one alone? Standalone, I don't need the other ones. Okay. But for two, you definitely need one. Mm-hmm. And I love two as well. Three, it's a lot of it got just as rave reviews. It, may, it might even have better reviews. And I'm but when I watched it, I'm just like I like it, but it doesn't live up to the first two. Okay. It's like I feel like you need to a certain storyline should only go for so long mm-hmm. before they finish that storyline. You can always pick up something else, but I'm like we'll talk about it later. But nothing changes between the beginning of part three. And the end, except a lot of shit happens. But he's in the same place he was at the beginning. I just think that's it's not a real story. Mm. That's just a bunch of stuff that happened. Yeah. This movie and the second one, but especially like this is this is a fully a full story, you know? And but it's built around all that action. Yeah. But it's very satisfying. It's a very satisfying movie for me. I'll tell you what this this movie bring light to. So I hate that I have to use the Matrix as a reference, but this movie is one of the best movies I've ever seen when it comes to building up the main character. Yeah, and they, like I said, like they real like that's what sold it basically. Yeah. The, it's that build up was like, yeah. So that is exactly what sold it, you know? Mm-hmm. This character. In fact, it wasn't originally called John Wick. I can't remember what, it's not Vengeance, but it's just like some, it's just something like that. And, right. But he liked the name of the character so much that he just. <laughs> Keanu Reeves started telling people he's making a movie called John Wick. Right. And then everybody else kind of got it too. He's like, you know, it really, he is this movie. Mm-hmm. But it was so smart to like, because I mean, we'll get into Vigo, but yeah, can you even remember a main antagonist, you know, of a, of a movie that you liked so much, even though he's a scumbag? Because <laughs> he's like an anti-hero, right? No, he's a, he's, no, he's a villain, but. Oh no, you're talking about Vigo? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fucking. I love Vigo. <laughs> yeah, he's he's actually the best parts. The scenes with Vigo in is the best parts of the movie. No, really, he, he's phenomenal. I love I loved his character yeah. so much, and you sympathize with John, mm-hmm. but you empathize with Vigo. You can see yourself in his shoes and his situation, you know. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> I mean, he's got to do what he's got to do, you know. Yeah, like, you it's... don't. He's the villain, but you don't really think about him. No, in those terms, because you you wish there was a version of this where they after. He gets everybody that he needs to, that it's just kind of like, ah, oh, well, at least Vigo's still around. <laughs> they had to have that final fight. Yeah, they did. And we'll get into it as we break down uh, the main parts of it. But Vigo is definitely the one of the ones you look forward to in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, okay, where is this? What's he going to be up to next? What is he going to talk about next? Like, yeah. Well, I like the movie starts. You think the main antagonist is his son, Yosef. Yeah. But Yosef's just a little punk. And he's in this, he's sidelined for most of the story, just being a little, a pussy. Well, he comes, you know, number one, most wanted. Everyone wants him on his hit list. The whole audience wants him on the hit list and wants him dead already. Oh, immediately. Immediately. We'll, immediately. We'll get into the story because I have a follow-up on that. <laughs> and <laughs> so we'll get into the story. But what, all right, so what's some more of the stuff that like you, you had some negative things to say? So I contradict myself when I talk about it, but. It's the best buildup of a character. However, the more the movie goes on, the less of this character, I mean, he becomes humanized. Like, first, he's like this boogeyman killer or known as Baba, Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. Yaga. It might be Yaga. I don't know. (laughs) 
But yeah, so he's he's like he becomes this super immortal in my eyes because it's like he's the one you hire to kill the boogeyman, and then as it goes on, you're like, I mean, he's got some flaws. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then as it keeps going, it's like the movie just starts to deteriorate for me personally. And I, like I said, as we go on, it becomes more. And I'll I'll let you know about it. All right, so. For the first two movies, and we'll end up talking about the second one again, but that, that that's a ways off. With our podcast, we give movies five years to breathe before, like you know, just kind of, you know, yeah, just kind of sit until we to say, is this something that we'll still continue to watch for the rest of our lives? You know, twenty fourteen. This was made in twenty fourteen. When's Wick two came out? Twenty seventeen. We we got like a little over two years. It'll go quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, it's a little under two years. No, it's like towards the end of the year, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll look into it. But uh, so the best scenes of both one and two, as far as action-wise and everything, mm-hmm. happened like in the middle of the movie. There's that buildup. Yeah. And you got some really intense action scenes. You feel like, <gasps> yeah. you know, just it's intense. And then it keeps going, but it builds up. And hits it hits hardest mid movie, and then it kind of keeps going. Yeah, that's so. I didn't like that, <laughs> you know, because he kills, he gets his revenge on the person that we all hated. Oh no, and that, it's like that's, that's, he could, he didn't have to go to Vigo, but he did because of his friend, and it's like, yeah. it, but it's no, that was the like continuing a, of it. That was like three quarters of the way through the movie when he got him. I yeah, true, maybe a little true, further. true, a little further. No, no, I'm it's like, like an hour. We'll get into the red circle. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So you want to kick this thing off? You want me to? Yeah, we could go from the beginning, so you go ahead, kick it off. All right, so it opens up with, you see like a SUV slowly just kind of roll and crash into a uh, concrete wall, (laughs) and John Wick basically just falls out. Yeah. And he starts watching a video on his phone. You know, we later learn that 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 is his wife, you know, Mm -hmm. and he kind of just passes out sitting there, and then it cuts back to his alarm going off, and then... He wakes up, he's alone, empty house, and then as the kind of intro progresses, you realize what's going on, you know, once he gets dressed, it's a very yeah. somber mood, and then he, the next, it cuts to a funeral, mm-hmm. and we find out that it's his wife's funeral, Yeah, and his friend visits him there, Willem Dafoe, character of Marcus, Yeah, and he's, you know, gives his condolences, he's like, what are you, what are you doing here, Marcus? He's like... Just came to see an old friend. Yeah, and it was more of a, like a worried question, mm-hmm. like is he in trouble or something? Like, or it just not really. You can't really tell. You can't tell at first, like. But because it opens up with him almost damn near dying, it's kind of like you're trying to connect the dots with the certain people that are are introduced in, into his circle already. So Marcus is definitely the first one that we really see. Yeah, and Marcus, we're gonna learn to love him a lot too. Yeah, Marcus. Like- Marcus is dope. But Willem Dafoe is Willem dope. Dafoe is dope. <laughs> <laughs> but so what I take, you know, later, you know, repeat viewings, mm-hmm. you know, is John is, he doesn't quite know how to take Marcus being there. Right. And he's like, what are you doing here, Marcus? Just because he, he's been out of that life so long. But Marcus, the way I take it, you know, later of knowing, knowing the character a bit more, I think he was there because he's worried, like you said, but he knows who John was before. Mm-hmm. And John was the deadliest man on the on the goddamn planet. Yeah, we find out there's little hints. It doesn't go out and say it. There's little hints. Marcus trained him. I did not catch that. All right, so I did not catch that. So 
one of the things they'll give away actually owned the watch briefly the watch john wick's watch so oh both directors oh big fans of carl f bukera it's it's a swiss company (laughs) (laughs) so it's a swiss company so i briefly owned this smaller version it's a dress watch i don't want a giant one on my wrist especially i don't have wrists the size of keanu reeves so i had a smaller one but both him and marcus have the same watch marcus is more well worn Mm -hmm. and it was his gift to him Mm. if you notice from watching any movies with assassins and then this one and then watching the world as things go on yeah assassins they're in competition with each other Mm. and they're trained killers yeah so they have acquaintances but usually if it's like a friend right there's like more to it than them meeting it just in that world you know like you know just like at the top of the game there's a lot of competition yeah there's there's a movie on our list that's just about there might be a couple movies on our list where it's just about assassins competing with each other it's a theme okay but marcus's watch is more beat up it's got a brown band I had both. <laughs> I like black and brown. I mainly wore the black one though. Damn. The brown one. I don't wear the black very much. That's Same watch. And you'll you'll notice from watching each of the director's movies, they they love this brand. So in David Leitch's second movie, Atomic Blonde, mm. they even go to a, a actual retailer for the watch brand. But you'll notice if you see a watch in one of their movies, it's probably from Carl F. Bucher. So all the characters have them, but theirs are matched. Okay. See, these are intricacies that you would only catch. <laughs> I like watches. I have never. So when I was yeah. looking at them, I had to go. I had to go watch. I bought the one I had just kind of like. So when we were moving out of Alaska, mm-hmm. spent a I mean, like we were doing renovations to the house for the sale, and instead of digging myself into a hole, I'm, you know what? I don't want to put some of these things that take away too much from savings or put it on a credit card. So I sold my nicest watch to pay for some home renovation stuff. Damn. So. You fancy. (laughs) After the sale, you know, of the house, I got a good deal on the other watch and wore it for like a year. And I'm like, you know what? Just because it's a dressier watch and I'm not like, especially once I moved down to California and it was all t-shirts and and Jordans and hoodies. I was like. I don't really, <laughs> let's get back into dive watches. And that's what I started wearing again. And then I, I sold the nicer watch and now we're watches that I don't feel the need to take off when I'm showering or hiking. Jesus. So I noticed watches though. Yeah. Long story short, notice watches. <laughs> <laughs> so his watches. That's a big tip though. Cause it didn't cross my mind at all. The only reason why I would question that part of it is the rhetorical question of, well, not, not rhetorical cause he has history with him. Is what are you doing here? It's a funeral. You know what I mean? So you would assume he was there for the funeral, but because he asked that question. It's because they it, hadn't seen each other since John's been out. So it, it's been over five years. Yeah, exactly. And it seeks, it, it seeks, it makes the audience want to know what that relationship's about. And I didn't, try tricking I didn't you. catch it. Didn't catch, well, you know. They try tricking you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, funeral. Funeral. After the funeral, it cuts to him back at home and he's just kind of cleaning up. After having dinner on the couch, doorbell rings. He answers it. It's a delivery woman. Mm-hmm. Signs for the delivery. And it's a kennel. And in the kennel is the cutest puppy <laughs> you may have ever seen. 
Man, I even texted you that, that the first time I was watching, I said, I don't even like beagles. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's like I don't dislike, but the only beagles I've been around are just annoying dogs. But this dog. Yeah. Like this, this was dog. A, this was a cute dog. Super cute. Yeah. Actually, like beagle, I wanted a dog just because of this one. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of made, actually, I used to have a dog and it kind of made me it bring back some memories. Yeah. I don't want to get. Think too deep on this dog right now. Get into it, <laughs> but it gets the dog. Uh huh. But on the kennel is a letter from his wife, whose funeral they just had. Right. And he's reading the letter, and she's saying, you know, she's sorry that you know everything happened the way it did, but she's finally at rest. But she hopes that he can find something else and love something, and she's like. The car doesn't count. So mm. she, she got him this puppy because he needed something real, you know, something with a soul to, to love. And so he gets really emotional. Yeah, it was a vulnerable, very yeah. vulnerable scene. And he takes the dog out. It's licking him in the face. And they go to bed. Dog wakes him up in the morning. Get some breakfast. He doesn't. He's like, "I'll get you kibble in the morning." He gives yeah. the dog a bowl of cereal with milk. I was like, "No." <laughs> so you don't give dog milk? I wouldn't. <laughs> not 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 enough that it would fill a bowl of cereal. Not a puppy. I'm like, I'd be real worried about. I'd be real like worried about something happening to my carpet. Oh yeah, true, huh? I don't know if he actually has carpet in the house, but you get the point. Yeah. No. So then it cuts to going for a car ride. Mm-hmm. He's fueling up, and some Russian punks roll up. Yes. Alfie Allen, my first time ever watching, seeing him, of course, everybody should know this Game of Thrones mm-hmm. as, uh, what do they call him, the thing? No, they oh, call him- uh, Theon Greyjoy. Um, <laughs> I had to look it up to remember his character's name from Game of Thrones. Um, is it Worm? Yeah, I think it's Worm. Okay. Yeah, so we get to see him, and he's uh, Russian, speaking Russian, so obviously the Russian, yeah. I thought they all did for somebody that doesn't speak Russian, or know a lot of people that do. I felt like he did a solid he did a solid accent when he was speaking Russian and then quickly transitioned into like a pretty decent American voice. American like voice, Alfie, yeah. Alfie Allen Alfie Allen's got yeah. some uh range. He's, yeah, he's got some well at least dialect and, <laughs> and accents. Yeah, yeah. All I know him is he's playing pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's his legacy. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, yeah, no. <laughs> Don't say what he did yet. I mean, people know. Yeah. If they're listening to this, they know, but we still got to do it like we do it. Mm-hmm. We missed the part of that I have written down. It was one of the major quotes of the Heifel stuck out to the movie just because it was the buildup of it with their guy, Marcus. He had a quote in there, and it was, it was, there's no rhyme or reason to this life, and it's days like this scattered among the rest. That hit me a little bit. It's a good quote. It reminded me of... This little final lines from Rutger Hauer in Blade Runner. That, yeah, that, okay. Well, I haven't seen Blade Runner, but that quote right there, I felt was a, a big part in this super assassin dude and then the whole bad luck of meeting Alan Yosef because we find out that that guy, Yosef, is the son. John's old boss. Of John's old boss. Mm-hmm. So, but. As we get into it, that I had to bring that one up because I was like, damn, I forgot about that. But yeah. So yeah, he meets them and they're they're speaking Russian and they're, they're bumping rap music. It's just, mm-hmm. I felt it's usually what happens when you see mobs or like they're into thug music, the gangster music and stuff. 
I don't know. I think I felt that it's in just other movies. Like it. All right, so they had that scene's been in other movies so many times. Yeah, I think it won't. For this one, it's it's kind of show because that's the only time you hear music like that in the whole film. Because the actual score is super good and it plays really well with everything going on. And then the other music that's not the score but actually real tracks is mainly industrial goth metal. Yeah. What'd you think of the industrial music? Industrial goth rock. What'd you think of the music in the in the movie overall? I really like the score, and I think honestly. Normally, the rest of the music, I wouldn't like at all in almost any movie. But somehow, for when they use it in this movie, it works. Like, even the Marilyn Manson, like, I We're like... killing strangers! Yeah, so it's I like... I can't get that out of my head, because they use that in a lot in the, in, they in use, the action like, scenes. Yeah, they use it at least twice. Mm-hmm. And, alright, so, first hearing it, it's the intro to actually New York City. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's New York and New York's intro. And then when they play it again... It's kind of the crescendo of everything that's leading up to a certain moment. Yeah. And that's the tipping point. And after that, well, we're going to do our final scene, basically. Yeah. So it's kind of like that whole build up, and then they play it again. And normally, it just doesn't fit almost anything, but somehow it worked with this, which is weird. Okay. You want to keep talking story or talking... No, we'll we'll do story. Okay. So they're bumping music. Mm-hmm. One of the goons goes into the store to grab something, mm-hmm. and Alfie Allen's character, Yosef, lights up a cigarette and he notices John's car. Yes. So John goes for is taken out of his Mustang. It's a '69 Mustang. Yeah, and that's basically tied with my favorite, which is '67, '68, because '67, '68 are the same body style, except for just one little change. But then '69, that's such a nice version of a '69. I immediately thought of Gone in 60 Seconds. That was a 67. Mm-hmm. Which... It, That's a beautiful car. It the really Shelby. Did. So we see his car. Yosef sees it. Mm-hmm. He goes over. You could just tell he's a fucking prick. <laughs> he's like, oh. He's like, nice car. Yeah, because he's what touching is, it and yeah. he's like, oh. He's like tapping on it. Nice car. He doesn't car. have any boundaries. Uh-uh. Nice car. What year is it? 70? 69. Okay. And then he gets in. And he's like, oh, I love dogs. And he kind of rubs it, its head a little too aggressive. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck this piece of shit. <laughs> and then he's like, how much? And he's like, excuse me? How much for the car? Yeah. And he says, everything about him, they're like, if you can make everything you say or do make people hate you more, <laughs> do it do that it. way. Do it that way. Yeah. So that's what he did. <laughs> Perfect. You hate this guy before he says two lines. Exactly. After he says it's not for sale. Mm-hmm. In Russian, Yosef, I keep wanting to call him Alfie. In Russian, Yosef says, everything's got a price, bitch. Yeah. And then John goes, in Russian, not this bitch. The way that John said it, it's almost he can't speak it, but he knows and he understands it. The way that he said it, that part, I felt it was like, that was very white. (laughs) He speaks Russian. Yeah, but he speaks Russian fluent. Yeah, he speaks Russian fluently. Yeah. But he, well, he is very white. Yeah. But he, it's like he changes, because there's a so different, most Russians. there's a different way to speak in certain <laughs> languages. I feel in Russian, it's like very deep and somber. Well, he had like, like, brook, like, Russian. Well, they were all doing it really well. Yeah. And he was neck, black, but, like, it was well, like very white. Here's the way I think about it. They grew up wanting to sound like they're from Russia when they do their <laughs> Russian. And then when they do their English, it just sounds normal. But I feel like John, once you know his character. Yeah. He's just going to talk like John. <laughs> yeah. He don't give no fucks. Yeah. So 
then when he responds, not this bitch, mm-hmm. Office is like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? It's weird that it upset him that he responded <laughs> in Russian. Yeah. That happened to me in real life. There was a chick that I knew, I mean, a chick that was talking, and I know she speaks spoke Samoan. She was white. And <laughs> so I was, we were doing a performance for her, this church, and it was just, she was white. And she came upstairs, and she's like, hey, thank you guys for, you know, the performance and things. And I was like, I said something. I forgot what I said. I said something Samoan. Before she left, she's like, oh, Fafkai Lava or something like that. She said something Samoan. And I'm like, my jaw dropped. And I kind of was mad at her for saying, for for doing that. You got to warn me. Yeah, <laughs> you got to. But she's like, she made a smirk and left. And I did a recovery because she said, "I'm the pastor's daughter," and she walked away. And I was like, oh, "What did you say? Huh? You need to say what you said." Because <laughs> I was with the group of family, and they were all started busting out laughing because they they're like they thought I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed, but I was like. I'm not embarrassed. She's a pastor's daughter. <laughs> and I just let, and everybody started cracking up laughing. What did you say? I forgot what I said. But it's something that the response was, I'm the pastor's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> it was more, I forgot. I, know, I think it's because I wanted to burn that memory. <laughs> but it was not embarrassed? respectful. No. <laughs> I said, this place is shitty. And it was more, it was outbursts. When she was like coming in and I was she like, well, thank you guys for coming. So, yeah, I, I can feel where he was coming from, where he was surprised at, at the time. Because I started laughing at that moment. I was like, oh, shit, that bring me back. So I can see where he's coming from when he was mad at it. I was like, what the fuck? But he got mad like it was going to be a f- serious problem. Yeah. Too, but where his buddy has to calm, calm him, down him down and then and pull him away and then says, you have a good day. Sir. Yeah. Then he leaves. Mm-hmm. Then John drives to an airstrip. Gets let in, and you're like, what's he doing at this airstrip? Yeah. Driving like a fucking <laughs> maniac. <laughs> That's a perfect place. It is. It's wide open. A lot of noise, so he can't really... Mm-hmm. His buddy let him in. Mm-hmm. And that's the, actually, that's that first taste of people know him. Mm. You know what I mean? That's your first glimpse of... Good point. People know him. They Good just point. let him into places. When you first watch it, oh, that must be his, his buddy from whatever. And then you realize... John doesn't go do stuff. John doesn't have buddies. Yeah. John has people that know who he is, and the rest of the time he's either alone or with his wife. He's not a cookout guy. He doesn't go watch football with people. Mm-hmm. John is John Wick, and until he had his wife, he was... You forget he's an assassin. He forgot he was an assassin for about a minute. True, but it's like, if you were to say, what would an assassin do on a regular day? I mean, outside of mourning over a death? Well, he doesn't have that life anymore. He... he he got he found, out. Yeah, he, he so found his, his way. His whole life was based around his wife. Mm-hmm. The reason he got out. Yeah. And then that's gone. And he literally, that's why she sent him the puppy. He, he literally has nothing. Yeah. That's why he, had, that's why he got the puppy. Mm. He had no life. He had nothing else. He had that car and that house mm-hmm. and memories. Yeah. True. So she sent him the puppy. Meanwhile, this whole time, he's driving like a maniac. Base, he's just whipping shitties, driving fast as hell. You don't hear anything from the puppy. No. The whole time, I'm like, yeah, that didn't go down like that. <laughs> that dog would have slid off that seat in about a quarter second. Yeah. <laughs> it would have hit it. It would have hit its head on the. the it doesn't even box. show anything. It doesn't show the puppy or nothing. There's no Mm-mm. anything trace of the puppy at this No, in it's the just scene. in it's the just... Yeah, it's just in the seat for Alfie Allen being a prick. Mm-hmm. And then it. 
then you don't see him until he's back at home. Yeah. You know, he's letting the dog sleep on the bed this time. The first time he puts it, he puts, he makes a little pallet out of a blanket on the floor, puts the dog on there. Yeah. He's makes sick. it sleep there. This time it's already on the bed. And then yeah. Lights out. Well, you know, I think this is when he says, well, come on. And then the dog actually comes up on yeah. him. Yeah. Laying on his chest. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the dog make a noise and then run downstairs. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you have to go? Yeah. He starts walking downstairs to let the dog out. And he sees two dudes stand in his living room and gets hit in the back of the head with a baseball bat. Right. He's motherfucker. <laughs> you realize the dog's whimpering, hiding. They're fucking him up, telling the other ones to look for the keys. Alfie Allen's talking shit. They're both, they're all beating the hell out of him. It's like they should have killed him because he obviously knew who they were. Well, especially after Alfie Allen took his mask off. Yeah. But the point was, he was, he nobody. thought he was untouchable. Yeah. And he's a nobody. Yeah. That was the complete point. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to think that nothing can touch him because he's his he's, dad is his dad. The, yeah. And then John Wick is supposed to be a nobody. And then his dad quickly reminds him later, no. Yeah. No, no <laughs> one, no one gets away from John Wick. So the dog's whimpering and wants to get to him. And he goes, shut that dog up. Mm. Fucking motherfucker stomps the dog. And you, thank God they don't show it. The movie would definitely be different if they showed that shit. Uh, yeah, I thought he twisted his neck. He stomped it. I did not notice that. Oh, there's a lot, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of blood. Oh, uh, this is where everybody's like, this motherfucker has a die. Yes. So, my favorite response to anything ever on Twitter. <laughs> Somebody goes, because of, it was, they're talking about Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And it's like, does anybody else feel bad about what happened to Theon Greyjoy? Because he was a fuckhead in Game of Thrones. <laughs> he deserved everything that happened to him. He's like, anybody feel bad about what happened to Theon Greyjoy? And this guy goes, fuck no, he killed John Wick's dog. <laughs> and this is after he, he became a eunuch because he had, they cut off, they cut off his, his manly bits. Yeah. I'm like, fuck no, he killed John Wick's dog. <laughs> That's hilarious. Good way to break up the scene. Because... <laughs> <laughs> What happens next is John gets knocked out, and next thing you know, he wakes up to a streak of blood across the floor because the puppy had crawled to him to die with him. Oh, yeah, you laughed I before I said that. I did not think. I did not think that of that as that the dog. I thought the dog was dead. No. at that time he snapped his neck. I just thought that they just did it out of dragged his. That what I was thinking, they dragged it, like put him right in front of his face so he could just wake up to that being the first thing he saw. No, the puppy drug itself over there. This is this is a shit show. I'm this just... took us in a couple extra days to record than it normally would because I kept having to work late. And you, but the first the first time you watch, like you watched it, you text me like, "You didn't fucking warn me about this dog." <laughs> <laughs> no, should have warned me about that one. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. He buries his dog, and then eventually, after burying his, like waking up, burying his puppy, his alarm goes off. Yeah, he put the leash right next to his wife's bracelet. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, this is the worst. The worst stuff that could ever happen is happening to this guy right now. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. So buries his dog. So you realize he didn't get much sleep. Probably got a few hours of sleep and a borderline concussion. Mm-hmm. So. But John Wick doesn't get con- concussions. We'll learn that because he he's the most beat up person in history by the third movie. Yeah, okay. In history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But you'll learn, especially as we go through these movies, once this guy's going, this guy cannot catch a break. Mm-hmm. He cannot get some sleep. He is constantly, he goes days without sleeping. And this is the first night where it's like, he got four hours max, max, probably less. So he finishes business and then he catches a bus into the city. Yeah. And he goes to John Leguizamo's character's name is Aurelio. Aurelio. There he is. Aurelio. Yeah. And he goes and talks to Aurelio. Mm-hmm. He's like, was it here? Oh no. Is it here? <laughs> is it here? Yeah. Is it here? And he's like, it was. This is a dope scene. You know, John Leguizamo, he's been, he's usually missed more than hit, you know, on his mm-hmm. roles, but he was like perfect. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I just like his, his, his slick talking, like his, his. Eh, slick's not the right word. Uh, it's like more like gritty, I guess. Like he's that New York vibe or that East yeah. Coast vibe. And so just having that as like. Yeah, he sounds like a New York sloth. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did. <laughs> he know. was a sloth. So it, it's, you can't get it out of your head too, huh? Mm-mm. But yeah, I, this was a dope scene just because this is the first time his character is being built up mm-hmm. without us having to see any action yet. Mm-hmm. Other than him getting his ass beat. Yes. So he shows up. I loved up. it. I loved the, the way that they started this. He oh, goes, yeah. Because Aurelio's waiting there because he knows John's coming. Yeah, and he has a yeah. second cup ready. Yeah, he has a he has a cup and a bottle of scotch ready. Mm-hmm. He pours him a drink. He's like, is it here? It was. He pours him the drink. Mm-hmm. He's like, who took it? And he said, Vigo's son nicked your car. Mm-hmm. No, he's, he said. Uh, Yosef. He said Yosef Tarasov mm-hmm. nicked your car, Vigo son. Yeah. yeah, and then it cuts to what actually happened, mm-hmm. and it shows them showing up into the chop shop, acting like they act punk asses. Yeah, flipping off the cameras and shit, <laughs> coming in there stirring <laughs> up trouble, making noise. No. Yeah, being a little fuckass, <laughs> and he's like, "Where'd you get that car? Where'd you get that car?" Yeah, that was. That's when like, it's like, damn, just, some fucking yeah. So fucking nobody. They they told the stories like, well, he's like, you know, get get the get fuck it, out of it. Get, Take it. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. He's like, get that. He's like, you lost your, sh- have you lost your, you lose your fucking mind, Aurelio. Yeah. We own you. He's like, you don't fucking own me, punk. I work for your father. <laughs> yeah. He's like the guy. Did you kill him? He says, nah, but we fucked his dog up. <laughs> he's like, oh, you, you fucked up his dog. Huh? Yeah. And he fucked up. And he's like, oh shit, that's crazy. And then fucking Cole Cox Yosef. Yes. He's like. You lose your fucking mind, and the other his guy, his little punks pull guns, pull gun on him. Yeah, so he, Aurelio grabs the gun, gun, puts it in his forehead. He's like, "Just do it, do it." I fucking you gonna you gonna put a gun on me in my own shop? Just yeah. fucking do it. And they know that 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 is not the place Mm-mm. because, unlike any other chop shop in history, it's a very it's more of a brotherhood than an than an actual yeah chop shop. You it's know, like you, it's like it's like his gang. Yeah, it's a movie gang. It's not just a bunch of criminals that work together. And what I love about this scene is exa- exactly what you're saying is they come in at first and it's all loud and it's a regular chop shop. But when that scene goes down, everything stands still. Everybody's eyes on them. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know it's like, okay, shit's serious. This is when it gets intense. And this is a crazy moment right now. Yeah. So like, are you fucking crazy? Vigo is his, his lead. Yeah. Other punk ass Russian. Vigo is not going to like this. <laughs> that was good. What? Yeah. He's like... <laughs> You don't know what, what the hell makes you think you know what Vigo likes or doesn't like? I tell you one thing, he's going to fucking understand. Yeah. And he does. Yes. So 
after the story, John's like, I need a car. Mm-hmm. And he leaves with a 70 Chevelle. And if the scene switches, whoa. So we have, we've had a 69 Mustang, a 70 Chevelle, mm-hmm. and sitting in there was a 70 Charger. That's the car that they were they were having their drinks on. Those are some of my favorite cars of all time. I saw that. Some of my favorite cars of all time. I'm like, ah. And that's, and on a personal level, unrelated to the story, but you could just see it throughout. The directors, and further in the other movies, especially Chad Stalesky or whatever his name is pronounced, they have a lot of the same interests as, as I do. And a lot of their, it's weird. Because I watched this movie. I can see why you, this yeah. movie's building up on, yeah. on you. Okay. So I watched this movie. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. I've seen this at least a dozen times, probably closer to 20 maybe. This is one of those movies where it's like I could just be traveling half asleep on a plane. I'm like, I guess we're watching John. <laughs> you know, I, I fly a lot. But, uh, so the influences on this movie particularly that they started the baseline to build this world out. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of the things I love. And the weird part is I didn't even notice that they have a lot of the same interests and likes as I do when they built out this world. And maybe it's because they did it so well at first until the third movie that I didn't even notice. But the third movie, it just starts feeling like they're going to be a lot more heavy handed. I'm like, and it's like direct references where I'm like, oh, oh, that's just like this. Mm. So they listed their what kind of inspired them for certain scenes and certain stuff. And it's like movies that I love. And now that I've read that doing the research for this podcast, I'm like, Oh, I mean, that makes sense. Mm. I like how it was just a light touch though, but I'm like, I'll see it. I, I definitely saw it more, you know, watching it after reading that. I'm like, Oh yeah, I could see that a little bit more, but there's some other movies that on the list that were inspiration for them. Like Lee Marvin, my favorite crime book series of all time is the Parker novels. And they've been, They've been used for a lot of movies as inspiration. One, a direct one with Jason Statham that was garbage. garbage. <laughs> they did Payback with Mel Gibson, the original cut. Well, not the original cut. So they've... Richard... Studios like to fire Richard Donner in the <laughs> middle of making a movie so they could ruin it. And it's happened twice. It happened on su- the second Superman movie. Superman 2. Mm. That movie's great. Main, the director's cut is a lot better. Yeah, it's all about the director's cut. But then yeah. Payback, the same thing. The original cut of Payback was weak. The director's cut is fucking solid. Usually when they recut something, they like, take some stuff out. Yeah. They didn't think work. No, they added a bunch of stuff that wasn't in the original script and made it and shoehorned it into Payback. So the director's cut's excellent though. Okay. Usually I'm not like a big director's cut guy because I think a lot of the time a professional editor is usually it knows how things kind of flow a bit better, you know, to keep it to keep it moving. They'll cut out stuff that a director filmed that he wouldn't cut out himself a lot of the time, I think. Okay. So it usually works out. But when a director gets fired and they add a bunch of stuff, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, I haven't seen it yet. Nobody has, but I bet you it's going to be better. Oh, shoot. He stepped out. He was having a family tragedy, but I've, I heard he, he walked away. I heard that he got fired the shit you read you know and i'm i never really dug into it to find out the real details right but they brought in joss whedon getting way off on attention but they brought in joss whedon to finish that movie and he added a bunch of stuff and changed a bunch of shit and it sucked <laughs> so getting back to john wick yeah a lot of influences 
that I love. And by the third movie, he's doing direct references to spaghetti westerns. You know, because they wanted the, they made an anti-hero, and they took obviously took they took cues from Sergio Leone movies. Mm-hmm. You just watched your first Sergio Leone movie last week, yeah. So they created an anti-hero that you could tell is definitely Good a point. direct reflection of others. But I yeah. think they said that they took more from they said they took more from um spaghetti westerns, but they really mainly mean. Sergio Leone's, and then they said they more took reference from uh, Le Circle Rouge, which is a Jean-Pierre Melville film. Okay. It's on the list as well. It's super good. And, but no, they said they, they played Lee Marvin's, I was just talking about it, it's the one based on the Parker movies, Point Blank. Point Blank. So Lee Marvin Mel and Point, yeah, well, Mel Gibson was the, the second remake of the same book. Okay. But the book's called The Hunter. Mm. And it's about a criminal, hitman, thief, everything above, uh, borderline sociopath. <laughs> Me have to borderline. Be. Well, yeah, but no, he's like, but he's not because he he loves what he loves, but he doesn't love much. And mm. same with John Wick. Yeah. So that's the book. And mm. honestly, Mel Gibson's was a, a bit funnier, different take, but Lee Marvin's is a more serious take. So point blank, excellent goddamn movie. But it's about him getting revenge, getting his money back, you know, for everything that happened to him. It takes place in LA, a bit different, some really classic LA scenes in that movie. Got a what? It's like a 70s, it's like a early 70s movie with like a 60s vibe that I fucking love. And when you think of that, it's they're saying spaghetti westerns and they're saying the yeah. Circle Rouge. I feel like people just say stuff like that cuz they don't want to act like they're over-influenced by one thing. Mm. Which who gives a shit? Fucking if you watch Point Blank with Lee Marvin, you're like, oh, yeah, no, that's definitely a hard, hard. It informed a lot of this movie. Okay. So it's on the list, though. It's super good. So <laughs> <laughs> I can see where you're going with it. Damn. So the directors in here are really bringing up stuff. They're heavily influenced by stuff they love, which yeah, is, dope. I, is awesome. That's why I love yeah, it. Dope. That's why Quentin Tarantino doesn't hide it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like very open with his with his influences because what he does with it is completely different. It's its own thing. Yeah. This is its own thing. And that's why I never noticed as much until I read. I'm like, oh, yeah. How did I, I get never, this, how, these secret gems? But it's like, how did I not think of that? Mm. It's like, because the movie grabs you grabs by the you. front of your shirt and drags you with it. And I could watch this that many times and not notice things like that. I'm like, it shows how good the movie is at what it's doing. That's a good point because there are some things in the movie that they have certain angles and certain, it didn't have to be in there, but I felt like it was in there for a reason. Okay, so I'm going to skip to it, but just one scene in particular was the Marcus scene when they came and visit him and he took his time putting down his watch. You know, I was like, it was a buildup, but it was just like, that watch. Did you notice that they set their watches down the same mm-hmm. way? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I noticed. So I was like, hmm. Now it's coming to me. Now I can see it. Motherfucker. You a genius. I'm probably not the first person that, that caught that. Well, I didn't catch it at all. <laughs> That's my two and a half time watching that movie. Well, there's a lot to absorb. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. So where are we? Influences. Yeah. And then we were talking about the cars and stuff and the. Yeah, those fucking. Uh, yeah <laughs> i'm a fan Obviously. of muscle cars i'm a fan of muscle cars uh, the, 
they've made such good choices mm -hmm. though. Like, honestly, because it's obvious from watching more and more, they also love Steve McQueen and Steve McQueen movies. There's definitely some some. You, I read you think that. of you you think of Bullet a bit while watching this, you know. Yeah. So, but they weren't going to go ahead and just use the same car. They, you know, let's do a '69. '69 is a perfectly more muscled out version of the '68. You know, it's one year later, but it's just that perfect evolution. Mm. And then, honestly, yeah, Mustang peaked in '69. I have personal con connection to the '68. I used to own one. I still want another one. Bullet is one of my favorite movies, and it had a 68. But honestly, if we're the 69 is better, and they, they went with that. And it was they, a top. It was a top selling car back in the day. Oh yeah, Mustangs have always sold well. Well, I didn't. Well, it was the number one. Oh, you looked it up. He, well, yeah, it was. A, I used to do sales, and I always the, the trend of the baby boomers. So around 68, the the 60 well, 60s is when they developed that. They when, originally developed it for like. So they had beefier cars. So they originally, that was like a little commuter almost. It was like for, it was just mm -hmm. for like housewives. Yeah. Like a housewife secretary commuter. Is, <laughs> if I, what like, a, what a car. <laughs> well, so the 64 and a half. That's, that's the beast. Yeah. So the, well, the 64 and a half, it was a different version. That was the car. The 64 Mustang was the, yeah, the so car. Yeah. So 64 and a half came out and then mm -hmm. slight changes for 65, 66. Mm -hmm. And then. I think they were seeing where the demographic was going, so they made big changes for the 67, 68. Much more aggressive body style. Yeah. Much sharper lines were built into it. And then the 69, more so. And then it seemed like it came out the Mach 1s and all that, and it was kind of like going the opposite. And then I think Mustangs basically were, I mean, the 5.0 was dope, but mm -hmm. Mustangs were kind of whack until this last generation. Yeah. The current generation is super fucking nice. And they finally came out with independent rear suspension, which is... The Mustang should have had 20 years prior. Who's I, drag racing anymore? <laughs> this is supposed to be sporty. The 60 Mustang, the 64 Mustang was the one I was looking up because I was around the age that baby boomers were driving. So that's why I know I know that one most. But my favorite car is the Challenger. But I did have an 05 Mustang. And yeah, nothing compares to those 60s. Mm -mm. Hell no. The vintage. Wait, which 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 challenger? Newer ones or seventy? Not seventies. Mm, vanishing point. Mm -hmm. Ooh. You're gonna catch more of that. I'm not a big car guy. I don't know the differences, but I do know the old challenger, the originals. Well, we're gonna watch Death Proof, and that has a mm. vanishing point challenger in it. <laughs> yeah. All right. We talk cars. Yeah. <laughs> for too long. I apologize for have stuck with us. So. He drives out of there with that 70 Chevelle. Yeah. Looking nice. Mm-hmm. And then he drives back home, and then Vigo calls Aurelio. Mm-hmm. And he's <laughs> waiting. He's waiting for the call because he knows it's coming. Aurelio knows what's going to happen after each thing because he's been around a long time. He knows the score. Yeah. So he gets a call. He's like, I heard that you struck my son. Um, yes, sir, I did. Can I ask, Can I ask you why? why? Well, sir, he... Stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. <laughs> and then to which Vigo replies, Oh. Oh. <laughs> and then he hangs up because he realized, Oh, no, Aurelio didn't fuck up. Mm -hmm. My son did. Yeah. And then after he finds that out, his right hand dude, the guy from the mayhem from the, is it Allstate? <laughs> <laughs> Winters? What is his name? Neil Winters or something? I got to hold on. Dean Winters. Dean Winters. Yeah. And it says his name's Avi, but. <laughs> I don't even recall his name ever. It's, it's like, 
he was doing commercials for. <laughs> well, he's been on TV shows that I haven't watched, and he's been in stuff. You always recognize him from those fucking mayhem commercials. Like, was he doing? Did he have that that commercial before this movie, or this mm-hmm. movie the reason why he got that commercial? No, he's he had those commercials oh, before. Good. Okay, but he's already an actor, and he's like he was on TV shows I just hadn't watched. I think he was on The Wire. Everybody's yeah. like, you need to watch The Wire. I was like, I know, <laughs> but that's a lot to catch up on. I got a kid, mm-hmm. so Avi comes up. He's like. And he's explaining him to that the deal's going through. They're signing everything needed to happen. So you're like, oh, what's going on with this? But it doesn't matter because Vigo doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's trying to explain. He's like, congratulations. He's like, didn't you hear what I said? He's like, have you seen Yosef? Yeah. You see so cut to Yosef showing up in his fancy car, wearing a suit and t-shirt as Yosef would do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I mean, it's modern times. You're going to have shorter jackets. <laughs> His suit, he's a small guy, and his suit was still too small for him. <laughs> the jacket's too short. The sleeves look too short. You're wearing a t-shirt. Uh-huh. Should, <laughs> fucking, Yosef can't do nothing right. It's just so hateable. Mm-hmm. So he goes up there. He's like, how did things go? And then he explains what happened on the trip. He's like, oh, okay. You know, he's like, and then he punches him so hard in his goddamn stomach that he pukes. Yeah. And then... He's like, clean that up. Do some rags to him. And he starts wiping it up. And then he gets up and he's like, nobody saw anything. He's like, it's not that. He's like, you fucked up. He's like, what? Nobody saw anything. Yeah. He's like, not that. He's like, what? With Aurelio? He's like, it's a fucking nobody. And then he fucking hits him again. Yes. And Avi's like, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Vigo. Because yeah. he, he's in the criminal world, but he does not have a stomach for, the, for anything besides numbers work. Yeah. Another funny thing about their relationship is he doesn't understand Dan Russian, Mm-mm. so he's asking Engl- Vigo. Vigo talks to him in Russian. He's like English, English Vigo, please. please. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious. That's hilarious, though. Stay, uh, goddamn. <laughs> and every time he gets yelled at, he just puts his hands up. Look at me. yeah. <laughs> okay, stay in here. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just some fucking nobody. Yeah. That was John fucking Wick. Yeah. And this is where we start hearing the real actual stories about John Wick. Yeah. He's like, this is John Wick. This is Baba Yaga. (laughs) He's like, the fucking boogeyman? Well, yes, but not exactly the fucking boogeyman. This is who you sent to kill the fucking boogeyman. That was a dope. Mm -hmm. That was a dope quote there. Yeah, and he's like, I once seen him kill three men. With, with a pencil. Fu- <laughs> with a fucking pencil. <laughs> Who can do that? He's <laughs> like, Father, I could fix this. Let yeah. me fix it. I'll take I'll take some guys. I'll find him. And I'll Did you not listen to a fucking <laughs> word that, I said? This is when you realize that this is the comedy of the movie. Is this guy right here? Because like, did you just did he not hear it? He turned to fucking Avi's like, Avi's did like he did you just hear a was... fucking word I said? <laughs> You and then he do, hugs him and yeah. then like, you can do nothing. Yeah. You will do nothing because you can do nothing. John will come for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he he's like squeezing him by the hair, just really driving in how much of a fuck up he is. <laughs> and he's like, get the fuck out of my sight. Also, I think we missed the whole reason why John Wick is important to him. He gave him a mission. Yeah. I get, he gave him an impossible mission. An impossible mission. Because of course he... He wanted to get out because he found this chick. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he asked me if, he, yeah, that is a good point. We should have, I should have brought that. 
Bridget Moynahan. Yeah. yeah, Bridget Moynahan. She used to be in a lot of. Remember iRobot? She looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She mm-hmm. looks. She's familiar. Ooh, my favorite movie with her is probably The Recruit. She was in a bunch of movies in the early two thousands. Mm. So, bunch of. She was in a bunch of bunch of movies. Nothing very excellent, but she was in a bunch of movies. Yeah, we can see, we see a lot of cameos in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Bridget Moynahan, the wife, she used to date Tom Brady. No. Mm-hmm. But I can see that being a thing. <laughs> Did he cheat on her for the with the model? I don't know. I can't can't remember if they're married. I, mean, I don't know. Can you blame him? <laughs> Bridget Moynihan? Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, what John did that night laid the foundation for what became him taking over New York. Mm-hmm. So yeah, which is like, damn. Yeah. And the more we dig into this world, the, re- the more you realize what a feat it actually was mm. but then by the time you get to the third mo- third movie it feels like it's undermining some of that so we'll, we'll get to that later okay i know i keep disparaging it before you've ever seen it but mm-hmm. we'll eventually get to it it's fine okay it's fine no big deal yeah <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so he's like after all that and yosef's leaving he's like yes avi i need you to task some men Okay, how many, how many do you need me to send? How many do you have? Yeah. Oh, no, actually, wait. That happens after Yosef leaves. Mm-hmm. He calls John. Yeah. And it's very this character, the way he, he's like, hello, John. Sorry to hear about the wife. <laughs> it's just, for him, it's it's a formality, a casual formality that he's apologizing about John's wife. You know? Yeah. It's like, but he basically is like, you know, they're talking and he's like, about his sons of being a fuck up, and there's no reason that we have to, you know, go back fall to... to our baser instincts. Yeah, He's trying to like talk John out of John this was doing a what John's gonna do. This was a great dialogue right here because he's did... all Vigo because John didn't say a goddamn word. <laughs> yeah, the true was that telephone, the Matrix telephone that John had in his house. Could be. Yeah, because that was that ring and that phone just almost made me feel like he was gonna get transported. <laughs> But while he was saying that story of John Wick, John Wick was also at the same time breaking cement. Yes. So you're wondering why John has a, well, this story is being told about him. He's a man of, he's a man of focus, Mm -hmm. purpose, sheer fucking will. Mm. So as he's telling the story about John, John is taking a sledgehammer to a slab of concrete in his home office (laughs) downstairs. And so you're like, what's he got going on? Mm -hmm. So. After he nice little touch, yeah. So after he uh, hangs up on Vigo, you see the goods. You got mm-hmm. a suitcase full of guns, a bunch of gold coins, and it's a very nice suit. Yeah, it's all handguns though. Well, he's very handgun oriented guy. He does a lot, most of his fightings in close quarters. Yeah, he does use other weapons though. We find out. Yeah. So he's got his he's got his big suit, nice suitcases full of weapons. Mm-hmm. So after he hangs up with Vigo. Vigo, then it's cutting to him asking how many people do we have and it's cutting back to John showering, getting ready. Mm-hmm. And as the guys start kind of getting ready to storm his house, he's finishes getting ready. You know, yeah. he has his suit on. He's looking very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice charcoal suit, very nice dark, dark blue shirt that's kind of an off gray blue kind of color. Like it's it's all, it's it's nice though. Okay. Yep. Nice little three piece. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not a big cufflink guy, but John makes it work, you know? I don't know how you can move like that in that suit, but without 
Any rips or nothing. Yeah, it's John Wick. <laughs> I mean, we could get into it now, but so the costume design. Originally, they were going to say like, the people he's fighting against be very tactical and him in his suit. But yeah. like, in the world they're building, no, a suit is a kind of uniform for some people, you know? Mm-hmm. So it put everybody in that in this part of this world in suits. Yeah. Things get switched up as the world expands. But for this contained part of the movie, yeah. suits, is, suits is how it's done. It's a professional business. Mm-hmm. So... Even how ugly it is, yeah. It fits it. Fits him. It fits the character. Mm-hmm. So we hit our first major action scene, and it is glorious. Yeah. Is it 12 or 13? Is it a dozen or a baker's dozen? It's 12. Okay, so yeah, 12 men with a combination of guns and assault rifles storm his house. And we can't describe this. You have to watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. But he handily kills every last one of them in very quick succession. Dope scene. People have not seen something like this. So this is when you get a first taste of the true action of this movie. Mm -hmm. The gunplay. Mixed with grappling. Mixed with him being smarter than everybody. Mixed with him being brutal as hell. Yeah. Mixed with somebody that knows how to move between kills to avoid being killed mm-hmm. which is a kind of beautiful ballet without it looking like it's fancy or flourished yeah it's very his movement is very reserved for how fast he's moving he's it is no wasted move you know no. it's very efficient yeah everything about him is efficient good goer yeah so it's like a ballet but it's not you know <laughs> but it's just very very well done choreographed and it just shows you how good he is compared to everyone else and this is after doing nothing for years yeah he gets better as time goes on mm-hmm. he got a little beat up and then after he kills the 12th guy the last guy he kills though he kills with a knife yeah and when we get into our parts about unnecessary or things that didn't work mm-hmm. that was the first of two bits of cgi used that i didn't think worked Oh, the blood on the knife? No, not the blood. Or the stabbing? It was the stabbing. He's cutting through breastplate yeah. by, by hitting a knife with the palm of his hand mm-hmm. after he gets the guy's own knife turned around on him and he hits it a couple times. Yeah. And it's the just like tap. it's it's tearing through breastplate like it's a tomato. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just too fast and it's cutting through like there's nothing there basically. Mm-hmm. So, that was the first thing. But then, you know... Doorbell rings. You see all the cop lights, and he walks. He walks to the door, and hey, Jimmy. Hey, he's like, evening, John. How's it going, Jimmy? He's like, uh, he's got blood on his face. Blood on his face. Jimmy <laughs> peeks in, sees dead. I leaned in like a. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help it yeah, though. You lean in, but it, so that's why my voice started disappearing. <laughs> but Jimmy leans in. He's like, sees a couple dead bodies. Like you, uh, working again, John? <laughs> Just figuring some stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> I just love their little interaction. Like, well, okay. Well, you ha- have a good night. He's like, you too, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That's another moment. It's like, so you're thinking, it's like, oh, are they neighbors? Like, oh, no. He's just John Wick. Yeah. And everybody knows who John Wick is. Yeah, everybody knows. That's crazy. And that's when you get the first sense of the greater world beyond his little area, not just mm. from 
them talking about him or being in people's like you realize it expands the world when you think about oh that's how it is with cops and him Mm -hmm. so that's that first taste you get and i thought about this ahead of time and then when i was doing the research it said something about like a graphic novel i'm like because my initial thought was after watching the movie it's like oh it's this world is not the real world this is a comic book world yeah you know this is outside reality Mm. you know it's like it's very it's it's, yeah. its very own world that this sure. is taking place. I'm Good like, point. Is yeah. that even New York? Oh, yeah. No, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just filmed in New York. And they really did film in New York, which is like a nice thing. Because even people that are like us who haven't been there. Wait, have you? No. I can't remember. Yeah, we haven't been to New York. Closest is Chicago. And it almost same felt here. like Chicago. It's same. Eh, I don't like. I, the train's up top. <laughs> it, Chicago's cool though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, never been. But there's so many landmarks in it without pointing them out i really like it when they show that you're there without shoving it in your face Mm. like hey we got to do the new york scene yeah fucking dude walking around eating pizza and bullshit yeah 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 statue of liberty but no it's like you reckon you recognize a lot of stuff and i like how they sold it without selling it because you're not in real new york you're in john wick's new york yeah and it almost feels like because it's this tied to the russians and stuff you almost feel like it's not in new york because of how subtle it is the only time you really notice is when they have that aerial view going over and then they have some of those recognizable buildings. And the cinematography. Should we get into the cinematography? Yeah, get into it. It permeates the movie. You yeah. Know? So it's so well done, especially for the budget. And this is what I think they did a lot better than the second two movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first one's still good. And then it just so. As it goes on, it's like this, the second movie starts to feel a bit more sterile, you know, like as far like it's very clean look to everything. And then I was trying to analyze the difference. They use different lenses, you know? Mm. So they did use different lenses. So this I, one was more like low contrast. A little bit, yeah. It's got sharp detail. It's a little bit lower. It's, it's, well, that was like, so a little bit the lenses, but not really. Like it's an older lens style. It makes it I, gritty. Yeah. And that's what I, I liked about it. Like, mm-hmm. It's a gritty world, and the second movie and the third movie, it's much less so, even though they're way more violent overall. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So it's got a gritty look, and they darkened it up. They had a lot of shadows. See, what they were going for was like a crime noir look, which, but modern. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the best I've seen it done in a a movie that has color and modern a modern image because they they they're, they shot digital, mm. shot on Ari cameras. We talked about those before. Yeah, but the the anamorphic because the most of the movie was shot with anamorphic lenses, except for the much darker stuff. But all the outdoors were anamorphic. A lot of the indoors that were a little bit more well lit, you, mm-hmm. could, you could tell by the horizontal lens flares, just looking good. Yeah, it had a nice. It had character. The, the images had character. Yeah, it almost felt like a Batman movie with the way that the well, so, okay, so Batman lives in the shadows, right? Yeah, yeah. But the first two Batman movies, Batman and Batman Returns, mm-hmm. no, they were specifically going for that look. The old crime noir. Yeah, I, could, that, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a lot, when we did Yojimbo, we talked a lot about, you know, we talked about that, that crime noir look, that mm-hmm. heart, like high contrast and how when you do it with black and white, it just looks phenomenal. Yeah. But if you, still works with color and they did it well like for how for a very clear and crisp and high res- resolving image mm-hmm. they did a really good job yeah and agree yeah no this is this is my favorite cinematography 
I want to say in an all right in an action movie, just mm. a straight action movie. Since yeah, Skyfall, you know, which is only a couple years later, but of the this comes in of the last decade of cinematography. Skyfall's number one. Okay. For action movies, this is number two. But for same cinematographer from Skyfall that did Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and then that's number that's number two. Okay. But very very nice, and they used so they used an older style anamorphic lens, the Hawk V Light seventy seven. So it's they're intentionally just what's happening with a, a lot of companies, but especially Ari, which is their Zeiss lenses. It's the trend in a lot of high resolving cameras, which everything is. It's all about, oh my God, we have so many pixels. Mm. Oh, we have so many pixels. Mm. You wouldn't believe how many pixels we have. Yeah. But, so, lenses, they do more and more to counteract what some people would can see, can see as flaws, to focus on high-resolution, clean image. Which, okay. depending on what you're into, is nice. Yeah. I'm not into it. <laughs> I want my anamorphic lenses to look <laughs> fucking anamorphic. And yeah. The image is going to have a slight bow to it. It's going to have a, maybe bowed out a bit. I'm like, I've used the word that I'm trying to think of before when we're talking about. Landscape? No, no. that's it's widescreen. It's, but it's, yeah. so it's going to, anamorphic lenses stretch the image. Like almost like a they, well, not they, like they fish compre- bowl, but it's like opposite of a fish bowl. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like convicts. Mm. Right? Anywho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. They compress the image, but when you counteract, it stretches it. But when it gets stretched back out, it kind of, it leaves its mark. And one of the things is horizontal lens, lens flares. It's bugging me that I can't think of this word that I... What's a good scene that you, you notice this mostly in, in the movie? Well, you'll notice the lens flares, like when they're, anything tactical with flashlights, you know? Mm. And so the thing, it's a widescreen image, but you'll notice like, as things are kind of closer to the center... It's kind of just a distortion. Mm. And, oh, the word I'm looking at, barrel distortion, which happens on regular lenses. It's just a, kind of like even more more so on anamorphic barrel distortion. Okay. So once you start looking for it, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I like that. Okay. We'll watch uh, Blade Runner, the original. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with that anamorphic. <laughs> so, and in the later movies, they use the new Ari, the new Ari uh, Zeiss lenses which they corrected out as much as possible with the barrel distortion. Mm. Lens flares are more controlled with the lens coatings. So I just don't see the point. If you want an image that clean, the cameras resolve such high power at this point, why not just kind of crop in? If you're, if you're taking out, I mean, so there's one, okay, another thing that you get from anamorphics. So say they shot with a, if you sh- say you want, you want as much width as, a 20 millimeter lens, which you just, from the, whatever angle you're shooting at, you want a lot more width right. for the distance, you know? You, right. You want, like, want, you want things makes, to feel, that makes want, sense. yeah, you want things to be more spaced out. Yeah. So you'd shoot with a wider lens, like a 20 millimeter. Mm-hmm. But if you shoot with a two times anamorphic, you get all the nice characteristics as a, of a 40 millimeter lens, which is actually my favorite area for photography and shooting with a camera. 40 to 45 is my sweet spot. Shooting with a lot of lenses, you keep going back to the same stuff. You're like, I like the, I like what that does. Yeah. And I like, I like how 40 mil renders. Okay. So the nice thing, when you work with longer lenses, you could have the same field of view. If you say like pull it back. Yeah. But it looks different, you know. So what an anamorphic does, a two times anamorphic, if it's a 40 millimeter, it's like 
you have the width of a 20 millimeter, but all those nice compression characteristics, kind of like separation of, it's like a different type of separation. It's, I have a hard time explaining it, but the more you look at it, the more you kind of pick up, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, faces are a little bit more flattered, but you're still getting all the, all the breadth of it, you know, like a mm. 20 mil. So it's just like anamorphics have their own look in that way, you know? And then they have, if you look at bokeh, the out of focus areas. Yeah. So there'd be kind of like an out of focus light in the background. So with anamorphic lenses, it's stretched vertically because they were compressed like this. Yeah, yeah. And when you flatten it, when you bring it back out, it brings the rest of the image back out, but the out of focus areas are somehow still kind of compressed. There's a scene that comes to mind that I think is the... It's when he, the bunker down of a uh, Yosef. Punk ass Yosef motherfucker. In that warehouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, when you explain it, I kind of see that in one of the, when he was like in the tower with them. Like, yeah. I kind of see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see why they did it more because it feels like you kind of, when there is more shadows, you know, and you're, you're getting a lot of shadow on one side of a face, you know, mm -hmm. I think when it's kind of like that horizontal compression that you, you still kind of maintain of that you'll get from a longer lens, I do think it does nicer things with the shadows. Yeah. Agreed. Cause I mean, you look at like Sin City when they had, there was a very, that they were going for like very crime noir look, you know, and deep shadows, things like that. Yeah. But it doesn't feel, the shadows don't feel the same. I don't know. It's because the way they filmed it, but I'm, I guess that's like what I'm coming with. Cause like that, that movie, you're like, yeah, they shot that with regular lenses. Mm. That wasn't. So talk more about it in some other some other time but yeah i like a good anamorphic i just like feel like the so lenses you, the lenses used in this movie were just like nice and i okay. feel like they got they had really everything looked really good i just feel like they lost that yeah all right so tangent on len lenses mm -hmm. we good yeah cinematography <laughs> check. check so where are we at so we were talking about new york and this is pretty much him i think it would, we're leading up to the red circle right no we arrive at the Continental. oh yeah the continental which that's that that angle and the mm -hmm. that they're used in that one with the shadowing it almost could have been black and white it looked really nice yeah it, it did i like i like that i like the limited color palette of this movie yeah this had that old-fashioned feel to it when he's walking to that big old building mm -hmm. who's the I don't the, know if it's pronounced. I'm like, I can't remember. It's Sharon Lynch yeah. Reddick. Yeah, to me it's Sharon, yeah. Yeah. Perfect, I like that guy. Perfect cast. I like that guy a lot. <laughs> Everything he's in, I like him. <laughs> he's He makes a good host or what's that? Concierge. Concierge, yeah. Mis Mr. Wick. <laughs> yeah. So he walks into the Continental. And the Continental, and like we'll a learn through the Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. More so than you think. You're going to. Even more so yeah. as the movies go on, especially by three. Oh, we missed one part. Oh, I will say the, the best part about three, a lot more Sharon. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. We missed the part. Mm -hmm. We missed the part when he was- Oh, the cleanup crew. Yeah, he calls. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he goes, he calls a number. This, hello? This is Wick. John Wick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like those are the spreads. John Wick? Yeah. <laughs> like, really? You're John Wick's calling me? He's like, yes, I'd like to make a dinner reservation for 12. Yeah, that dinner reservation is the key yeah. word for cleanup. Yeah, dinner reservation for 12 when you call a certain service means they're going to come get the bodies. Mm -hmm. So the cleanup crew comes and, oh, nice little cameo. The leader of the cleanup crew, he was the Alfie Allen of the Warriors movie. 
Have you seen the Warriors? No. <laughs> I, I, I I know that. Shaq reference it. <laughs> yeah, I seen a part where they were doing the. Was it the bottle? Was that the one with the bottles? Warriors, yeah. come out and play. That's the only That's part I've seen. That's, That's him. That's him. That was him too. He he improv. He did that on his own, man. Wow. Yeah, he he was the Alfie Allen of the Warriors. He's like, what is this guy's fucking problem? I fucking hate. This guy. But yeah, he's cool. All right. <laughs> he's like, nice working with you. Or did he say nice doing business again, John? Or he's like, oh no, he's like, and what what he said was, and here I thought that they had taken you away from us or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it was like he was. It was, it was just his way of saying, oh. I'm glad you're back. Yeah. You're always good business for me. <laughs> yeah. you, it was basically hinting at, oh, thank God, business slowed down when you were away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he gave him a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of the coins, the yeah, golden 12. coins. Yeah. So it's your first time seeing actual transactions with those coins. Mm-hmm. So after that. Gold coins mean a lot mm-hmm. to the assassin world. Yeah. So that's when John drives to New York and you get the, you get, we get, we start to see New York the city you know Mm -hmm. not just little parts and that's when you first hear the intro to new york is what's his name song marilyn Marilyn manson's we're killing strength i can't Mm -hmm. get that out of my head yeah someday (laughs) gross don't watch sons of anarchy i have not watched Sons of anarchy so yeah don't okay seven it's, it's seven long seasons of well, they just fucking kill everybody already. I hate everybody <laughs> in the show. But I can't think of Marilyn Manson without thinking about how he... Was he on the show? Briefly. Mm. He basically ran the white supremacists or whatever in uh, this prison and this really lame character. He he sexed up before killing him. I have a feeling that he begged to have that part. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they, didn't look, they didn't look for Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson came for them. Yeah. You got to work for a pale motherfucker with long hair. Sign me up. So, yeah. he arrives at the Continental. We meet Sharon. Mm-hmm. Sharon's cool. Yeah. They give the old girl a facelift? <laughs> yes, sir, about four years ago. But I assure you, she's very much the same. Yeah. Which means... He was telling him still, the guidelines. Everything's, everything's still still good here. Yeah. You're, you're, you're safe. And you find out you don't do business on Continental grounds. Mm-mm. That's where assassin, assassins stay, where they don't have to worry and watch their back the whole time. Yeah, it's a safe place. Mm-hmm. But outside, very normal. You know, it's like a, it seems like a normal hotel, but you pay in your coin, and they probably just tell most people that they're all booked up. They got re- a restaurant, you know. Yeah. So he's like, gives him a room, and he says it's very nice to have him back. Yeah. Goes up to his room, drops off his shit, goes down to the lounge, the lounge, and finds Winston. Winston. Mm-hmm. Winston's pretty fucking cool. Winston actually looks like Winston. He looks like he should have. Yeah, that's that was yeah. a great, great. I cast. like that guy. Yeah. He doesn't do it in this movie, but the way he uses the word "cunt," I mean, <laughs> he's. Mwah. I love a British person that can curse. Can curse better than anyone in the world. Ian McShane. Ian McShane's yeah. dope. I love that guy. So you meet Winston. He's like Jonathan, <laughs> and he'll always be the only person that will call that calls him Jonathan. Yeah. Even his wife didn't call him Jonathan, mm-hmm. but. You realize, oh, Jonathan. You realize they kind of have a special relationship. Yeah, you know. Yeah, a lot of respect, right there. True. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he's like, he wants to find Yosef Terzov. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you sure you want to do this? You got out. Yeah. You stick yeah. one so much as like yeah, a, a pinky, pinky back into in this water, it'll. You might find that something reaches back up 
and grabs you and pulls you in. So good. And he says, "I love, I love, yeah, I love words in that nice, way, man. Yeah, no, Slick with the tongue, very, you know. They have some very poetic moments. Yeah. So he's like, go, go to the. He's like, go to the bar, relax, and have a drink. Mm-hmm. And he just let him know because the code was, I might do something for you. And he's yeah. like, it's personal. And he says it's personal." And in the time that it takes him to go see Addy at the bar and order a drink, they catch up. <sighs> Addy. <laughs> she's a baddie. <laughs> mm, she's my favorite from this movie. Addy's, <laughs> Addy's nice. It, even, the, even the whole, they have a special relationship too because he, he, she's yeah. like, yeah. get on back here. And he's like, ah, oh, it's, it's like, and then she's like, I'm this. sorry to hear about your wife. And he's like, thank you. But there's a tension there that says, is it weird for me to be mentioning your wife? Because mm. they knew each other. In a, you could tell that they knew each other in a, in a sexual way beforehand. Yeah. He's like, this is the first time I've seen you like this, John. Yeah. Like, well, like what? Vulnerable. Vulnerable. And so she's like, bourbon? And again, it's like these directors made this movie for me. Because <laughs> she gives him a she, bourbon. Well, she gives this as the usual. Mm-hmm. So the usual is bourbon. Though. Yeah. <laughs> It's my favorite bourbon of all time. I don't drink anymore. But when I think about it, I'm like, oh, oh I think of that bourbon. Give me if, a drink for Vegas, please. I, what yeah. is it? Oh, I'll give you that. Because that bourbon looked like liquid gold. Yeah, no, I'm not going to give you any of my scotch suggestions because you got to ease yourself into some of them. I will give you the nicest bourbon that it's just so smooth and amazing. It's what he drinks, Blanton's. Blanton's. It reminds me of a grenade and there's so many... It's like a geometric circle with a little jockey on top and a horse. Mm. So Blanton's. I'm going to have to ask for that. From Kentucky. Yeah. So Blanton's. He's drinking that. And I'm like, ah. Kentucky's they not know known me. for bringing Kentucky. Oh. <laughs> They're known for bourbon. My introduction to Kentucky was Mike Wilson. So there you go. Yeah. Sorry for our Kentucky listeners, but <laughs> that's how I feel about it. most things that come from Kentucky. Bourbon. You listening, Mike? <laughs> Dirt bag. So, Bourbon's Kentucky. That's dope. Kentucky Derby's Kentucky. That's all I got. That's all I got worth mentioning. Fried chicken? Yeah. Kentucky folks, chime in in the comments about what what Kentucky's really about to people that have never been there and they're talking shit. Sorry. Sorry, Kentucky. So, Mm. blends. But he doesn't even sit to drink it because... Mm -mm. She says, on the house. And he sets it down, looks down, and then leaves. Leaves. And then the camera shows what's on the napkin that Real what quick. he was looking at. Says the red, red circle. circle yeah. So again, it's weird that I didn't catch it, but Le Circle Rouge, the movie that they said inspired them, mm. which again, it can't be nearly as much as point blank. It's a movie that's on the list. There's at least two and i'm thinking three eh, three jean-pierre melville movies are going to make the list okay but circle rouge is one of them and then yeah it's so weird sorry it's like that's more of an influence i don't know no way that's more of an influence than point blank but the circle so that's their first of of many where they name something in reference to another movie that at least first that i'm thinking of you could see more as we go on but circle rouge which is where Yosef is hiding, which is basically nightclub, hotel, underground lounge with pools. Pool, sauna. Sauna, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's got everything. It's got everything. It's where people go. It's where fucking Russian punks floss their teeth uh-huh. in locker rooms. Uh-huh. So we see outside this nightclub, and then all kind of like a side area, you see a, a guard. <laughs> Cameo. Mm-hmm. He's like, what's his name? It was that Francis? Yeah, Evening Francis. Was it Kevin Nash? And, he, <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> Evening Francis. And, he's, and he knows, oh, fuck. John, John Wick. Wick. And he's like, You lost weight. Yeah, lost weight. Thank you. 60 pounds. Yeah. You working tonight, John? Afraid so, Francis. He's like, and, How about you take the night off, Francis? And he thank takes you, the Mr. Ear Wick. Piece. Yeah, yeah, he, he takes, takes the earpiece off. He's like, Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. That Wick. Was, that was a dope. That mm-hmm. was a dope little. Everybody knows John. Yeah. Everyone. Except for this fucking Yosef. Exactly. I don't fucking get it. That's why I'm He's like, only been gone for five years. That means. He's yeah. only been gone since Yosef was probably 18. <laughs> so how he didn't know? Yeah, it doesn't make any does sense. Does that make sense? No. That's one of the biggest plot holes in the whole movie. How did none of them know? No. Wait, did daddy not let you into the business <laughs> until you were 21? Right. But even so, how have you never been sitting up late at night listening to your dad talk shop? Right. About a person who created their business. Pretty much. It just doesn't make any sense that there'd be that much separation between these, these young hoodlums and... The generation that knew John Wick five years ago. Five years ago. And, and and when you think about five years, I'm like, damn, five years ago? That wasn't that long. I can see if it was 10, then it makes sense. Mm-mm. No. He's old enough that he should have heard of John Wick. Yes. So every, everyone in this town knows. If the John. cop knows. If the fucking cop knows. And the guy that runs the Chop runway. Oh, in the, oh, yeah. Everybody knows who John everybody Wick is. Knows People, who- if he was allowed to hang out once, somebody's telling a goddamn John Wick story. <laughs> yeah. I that once three, seen him. Three pencils? Yeah. I once seen him I kill mean, 200 guys with a tire iron. <laughs> Crazy John Wick stuff. Yeah. He threw a knife at a man from 90 feet. John Wick shit. So, this is an extended sequence, action sequence, that is the, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. Top scene, uh, be- dopest scenes, but this one wins. Mm-hmm. So he puts on, actually, yeah, before it cuts to him actually being there, we do a nice little wardrobe change. Yeah. He changes from the suit he's been wearing since he started killing again. He puts, puts on, on a bulletproof, bulletproof vest, mm-hmm. a white shirt, black tie, and that sets the general John Wick look, look. for most of the rest of the series. But every version is done better. All right, so. Certain lighting, it looks charcoal, but most lighting, his suit in the future looks like black. So it looks like he's just wearing all black all yeah. the time. Which, I'm like, he looks like a fucking undertaker, which works for the guy that kills so many people. But John Wick, he had style in this movie that mm. felt his own. His suit is tailored perfectly. Perfect taper down. Mm-hmm. So you can still see he's got lots of lots of range of motion. He looks very sharp, and that white shirt definitely does pop against that charcoal suit with the uh, black tie. Yeah. It's a good look for him. Yeah. So, I liked it. Yeah. And then, especially, the, yeah, this is that perfect look, and it look, later it looks good with the turtleneck, too. Mm-hmm. But he goes into this, and he's the uh, first person he gets to killing. Is the... Is the, the, main, the main kid's henchman. Yeah. The one that, you have very good day, sir. Yeah. So when this guy's brushing or flossing, the door opens and you don't see him come in. 
the first time you see him is when the guy's kind of heads down and you see him in the mirror fucking stabbing a guy in the neck and letting him and fucking fall. Fall. And then and then he looks up and dude sees sees the guy fucking sliding down. He's like, what the fuck? And then John's on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, where's Yosef? Fuck you. <laughs> and he starts sla- beating the shit out of him. Kicks him in the leg, loses balance, slams his head into the countertop. Yep. Yep. He's like, where's Yosef? It didn't take him very that long. He said, And he said he's like downstairs or where are you? Yeah, no. Dan, in the pool area, where, yeah. wherever wherever that's at. So and then he starts drowning him and he's like, fuck you. And he fucking finishes drowning him. Yeah. Drowned your ass. <laughs> that was a tasteful death. Mm-hmm. So then John starts walking down the stairs to this other area and starts slowly taking out all the guards on that level. Yeah. One by one. I guess we could say we've cut to Yosef a few times being a punk ass down there in the pool yelling at people. Having, I will say, Vigo's main, the guy that runs everybody that's still alive, of Vigo's henchman, the main henchman dude that's prote- on Yosef protection detail. Is it the one that was playing the video game? No, no, no. The main, that's just v, that's just Yosef's guy. Oh yeah, you're talking about the the like, guy that's running. The looks team. like could be a young Van Dam brother. A little bit. A little like, bit. A little bit. Yeah. So I like him. Yeah. He's like I was sent. I was he's sent poised. To, yeah. He's like I was sent here to protect a child. Kirill is his name, played by Daniel Bernhardt. You bet your ass it is. <laughs> that is him. Yeah. So. I like that guy. We'll see a bit more of him. He's the only person that gives, real, gives John a little bit of a run for his money yeah, as, he the, does. as the movie goes on. So John's just fucking taking people out with his knife. Mm-hmm. And eventually- He runs into Kirill. Yeah. And then, no, not Kirill yet. He's, he's going through these guys and then he has to, the last guy he's taken out, shots fired. So that's when Yosef sees him, when he's taking out this guy and mm-hmm. he fucking, and then he puts, he puts one in this guy's head. While making direct eye contact with Yosef. Yeah. He doesn't even need to see as he kills this guy. He's just doing it. Yosef knows. And he starts walking towards Yosef. And the biggest (laughs) ripped up Russian you've ever seen in your whole goddamn life comes in. That was a badass kill. Yeah. It was quick too though. Yeah, it was quick. You thought thought he was going to end up fighting this guy. He's like, oh no, he's just killing him. Yeah. (laughs) He fucks him up. (laughs) But then. That headshot. Oh yeah. But it gives Yosef enough time to start running in his towel like a little pussy. Just <laughs> running away when he's like, I'll, I'll do this. I'll take care of this guy. Yeah. And this is the second thing that just, you're watching John Wick, this whole movie. Too everything, cliche. Everything that happens, they got the glass in the way. Mm-hmm. So unless the gra- glass is really warping perspective, John does not miss those three shots. <laughs> he doesn't shots. miss. He doesn't miss those three shots. And he shot through glass before. Yosef, mm-hmm. honestly, if we're being honest, Yosef would have died right there. Yes. But he didn't. Mm-mm. He's still running. So then, music change. They had the slower music that just was perfect. Mm-hmm. That's slower. My wife loves that song. And it it's is like good. The piano. I don't wanna, huh, huh, mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. My wife is going to listen to this maybe someday and just be like, God damn it, <laughs> ruining my song. So then he's going, music change when he gets into the club. And this, even more, the second movie is really. It's almost, it's very remake of this one because it has a lot of the same timing with things and mm-hmm. musical cues and the way they do it. So musical change when he hits the club area, yeah. you know, it's harder music. And then the pace picks up on the killing. This, so before he's killing people with knives and killed a couple people with, with shots, but once he gets to the, the nightclub area, the tempo picks up on the music and the tempo picks up on the killing. Mm-hmm. 
lots of kills. Yeah. Kill, kill, kill. This is kill. this is what makes John Wick better than most assassins, what better than all the assassins is his efficiency and his speed because do, like throughout this whole time that they're setting the scene in this club you notice that there's bodyguards everywhere in there and they're all on high alert because Vigo knows that John Wick is after his son. Well, so, and he knew John Wick would show up there. That's why he put yes, him there. Yeah, that's exactly why. And he's like, bring the wolf to the chicken. And he's talking about John mm-hmm. Wick being the wolf. These guys are ready for John Wick. And this was the most of, I would say, Vigo's henchmen or, or group of guys. So this is probably, would say, the best of the best out of Vigo's men. Mm-hmm. So as they're checking their mics and like checking number one or two, he, John Wick's killing them as he they're like changing from one person to the next. So you're seeing how fast John Wick is moving. So this is what sets, it is a great, this is an important part because you see how the angles of the fight is important to the sim- cinematography of the movie. The fight scenes are way different than everything else. Because of the how they follow his yes. the sequences. Okay, so everything done well has a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they create, yep. you know, a rhythm to go to the music. Yeah, you know, and sometimes they figure out their music and timing. Yeah, the rhythm to the action. This one is the first. This is probably the best you're ever going to see it done. At least in mm-hmm. my opinion, mm-hmm. it's just it works so well, and the kills are so beautiful and fucking terrible and gritty at the same time you know it's just it makes you feel different things about it you know and it's perfect because john is in the fight scenes you you know the type of assassin he is he adapts to the to the situation completely yeah and it's the way he analyzes each kill it's almost as like whatever happens he's counteracting it in a way that yeah certain animals i'm just gonna use a platypus as an example <laughs> i will not have right. anything to say okay. about platypuses other than fucking right, so they so certain animals feel cartoon feel the motion in the water you mm-hmm. know and it's like they can re- start reacting to things as soon as there's any type of change you know mm-hmm. and platypus it's more like they have like this electrical sense you know they could kind of just they could just kind of feel it mm-hmm. and john can just feel violence it's like he could feel it in his bones Mm -hmm. and he is he is the master of it so it's (laughs) you see the dark knight rises oh yeah yeah it's like you merely adapted to the dark Mm -hmm. i am born of it like john wick is born of death raised by it (laughs) molded by it (laughs) (laughs) one of the best scenes that show that is when he's between his dude in this pillar and he sees a little foot and yeah, he shoots the, the tiniest foot. of foot, and then the guy bends down, and he's shooting him. He didn't shoot his foot simply to hurt him. He shot his foot because he knew the head was coming down, yes. and immediately shot the head once it was there. He knows all the reactions, and that's because he is a master of death. Everyone's playing checkers. He's playing chess up in that piece. No, he's playing three-dimensional chess. <laughs> that's a Star Trek yeah. reference. <laughs> he's playing three-dimensional chess, and they're fucking... No, man, they're not even playing checkers. Mm-hmm. Playing f- go fish. It's a different <laughs> fucking thing. So 
he is a master of death. The only mm-hmm. person that even is close, and honestly, when they are toe-to-toe, I mean, John's winning, you know? John hasn't slept in days. He's stacking bodies. We could have waited till the end, but I'm not going to because I think just a, most of it happened in this scene. But this movie has 77 people that are killed. Most of it, I feel, I think... Damn. I think at least 50% of the kills happen in this one scene. And 70, out of 77 kills, I'm only counting three that were by anybody but John. What? Don't worry. John Wick 2 has like 94. <laughs> Actually, this is just what this is. I can't remember the last thing that... I don't know if the numbers are the same of what I looked before, but this one has 128 for John Wick Chapter 2. Eh, is it? No? Hmm? I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm going to look this up while we're talking, but a lot of dead people. Yeah. So then he gets into it with... Kirill. Kirill. This is when they're, he becomes human. Mm-hmm. They're fighting, and John gets stabbed with a broken bottle, bottle. in the sides that is like just at the ribs and slightly below. Yeah. Oh, that, God, that, just the blood immediately just starts soaking through the white shirt. It's like the Jesus getting stabbed mm-hmm. on the cross. I was like, ah. Oh. So it's Kim. They're fighting, and then he, John goes over the balcony, and he lands a story down on a dance floor. And immediately he's pulling out his backup gun and then he starts taking shots at Carol and Carol's gun. Yeah. And then he's just like hobbling out of there because he just got stabbed <laughs> with a bottle and then fell a story onto wood. Mm-hmm. Which almost, that actually happened. That's C- if that was CG. Looked, yeah, yeah, no, that looked real. That it looked real. So real. Yeah. But every time I'm like, well, it's got to be CG because. It, that was. Yeah, no, if it wasn't CG, that would have been somebody fucking hitting a bag or something and yeah. there was no gif. No. So, it was like, mm-hmm. no bounce so, back. Uh-uh. So he's hobbling off. <laughs> and then he cuts to him hobbling into the, the continental. Insurance. He's like, how you, doing? Uh, how, you, how you doing, Mr. Wick? Do you need anything? He's like, how good is your laundry? And he looks and he's like, afraid to say, nobody's laundry is that good. <laughs> yeah. Just covered in blood. He's like, yeah. I, I and it's a white not. shirt. You know. He's like, I thought not. He's like, anything else? He's like, is the doctor in? 24-7. 24-7. So... Cuts to the doctor in the room. He's got a bottle of Blanton's, pouring himself on, on ice, which is not how I suggest drinking Blanton's. Mm. So he poured I, it up. I don't drink anything on the rocks anyway, unless it's mixed drinks. Yuck. <laughs> Blanton's, just drink it neat. Mm-hmm. And slowly, it's delicious. So, and then he's getting stitched up by who? Oh, the, the key maker. The key maker. Yeah. Yes, all these people know each other. So these little references you see were Randall Duck. Intentional references. Mm-hmm. Kim. Mm-hmm. I like Known that guy. Known as Kim in the movie. Yeah. I like because, him. Because he, he knows who John Wick is, and he knows that regardless of what he's going to do to him, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. What's my functionality going to be? He says, well, you should do nothing, but since you probably are, take two of these. You have full functionality. You'll tear your stitches, but you'll be able to move. Yeah. So... He's like, do you need anything for the pain? He's like, I think I got that covered with his blends. I was like, my man. I was like, I thought that's what the pills were for. <laughs> no, that's that's not just, it's not for the pain. It's just so that it doesn't incapacitate him. Mm-hmm. So he's going to try to lay down for the night. And then his sleep gets fucked up again. Because, oh, we didn't talk about her when he, he when he's when he's kind of like, get, when he's first checking, checking into in. the, he's checking into the Continental. Passing up. Yeah. He's, Jenkins. He's, yeah, Perkins. Perkins. He's like, that's right. Good to see you, John. I hate, I hate her, that her name is Perkins. I don't like her. Yeah. I don't like her face. I don't like her character. <laughs> he's like, good to see you, John. 
and he doesn't like her, so he just refers to her as Perkins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perkins. He didn't say anything to her. Perkins. You know how much Perkins isn't like. Okay, she's way down there in the cast, but Adrian Palicki. Palicki, yeah. <laughs> so sees her again down at the club. She nods at him when he's walking by, mm-hmm. and he barely acknowledges her. <laughs> the little lounge where it's, it's supposed to be like a little nightclub lounge. But they got a singer. Mm-hmm. They got a jazz singer. Yeah. And just some rando sitting next to Miss Perkins. Yeah. It just, it just felt real fake. Mm-hmm. Kind of was. But, you know, it just felt like it didn't, nobody's there for the music except Mm-mm. this one guy who's just entranced by it. it yeah. It felt weird. Mm-mm. So, in first, he's laying down, and then we see Marcus with a scope pointed in his room. He's got a rifle. He's across the street, and he's thinking about killing him, you think. But, Eh, we'll just give it away because we love Marcus. Mm-hmm. But he shoots his pillow, and then that makes John pop up. And then just in time, because Miss Perkins, Perkins is walking in, because Willem Dafoe saw that. Willem Dafoe doesn't miss that shot. But what it did make me think of, with the Continental being off limits, it doesn't make any sense that he could have shot through that window. Mm. It's supposed to be a safe place. John left his blinds open. If you could just shoot through that window... Would John have left his blinds open with all the heat on him right now? You know what? I thought the same, but when the those burglars came in there with no alarm, no system for that that he would ever have. Oh well, inside, it's because it's fucking crazy to break the rules of the Continental. Mm-hmm. You see the consequences later. But Miss Perkins walks into his room, and John's basically popping out of bed because he got shot in the pillow we did miss the fact that, that marcus why marcus is even sniping and why perkins is even doing it ah because good. we did miss something yeah we did this is gonna be you thought this one was gonna go fast this was long as hell <sighs> we're missing Sorry, some people. things but All you right. know there's so much to talk about vigo does he opens up a contract yeah he's like put for two million dollars two million dollars and then, so, of course, he opens the contract up, but then he goes exclusively to Marcus's house. Yeah, he goes to Marcus and he's like, so what are the honor of you being here? He's like, oh, I'd like to offer you a job. He's like, I'd like to offer you a job. He's like, <laughs> I have a and, tele- I, and I have a telephone. And he's like, this is personal. I wanted to offer this to you in person. Mm-hmm. What is it? Well, for $2 million, would you kill John Wick? And immediately. Is the contract exclusive? He's like, No. This needs to be happening quickly. It's mm-hmm. an open contract. Yeah. He's like, well, consider it done. Yeah. Then that's why Marcus is there even in the first place with the, sn- the sniper. Then he gets a whiff of Perkins one in the Continental. Was it his Avi? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, double it because they know the Continental She's, rules. Yeah. If they're willing to break the rules of the Continental, double it. Double it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because the call with Avi, like, yeah, we, we got a call. Somebody, we got somebody in the Continental willing to kill John Wick. Yeah. So that's your first thing. Oh, shit. Don't break these rules. If they're willing to break the rules of the Continental, double it. Yeah. Which also shows that he belongs to that world, too. Mm-hmm. And there are, you learn there are major repercussions for breaking the rules of the Continental. Mm-hmm. But he's willing to do that because his enemy is John Wick. Mm-hmm. So picking up some of the rules, you know, yeah. learning more about this world. And he starts fighting Perkins. And Perkins says a dumb thing because it's not true. He's like, I always thought you were a pussy, John. Yeah, is they're yeah. fighting? And like, meanwhile, she's like kneeing him in his wound mm-hmm. as hard as possible. And he's yeah. just bleeding everywhere. And then, you know, he's a full-grown, big-ass dude, greatest assassin in the world. He fucks Perkins up. He wraps a sheet around her head and 
pulls her in and punches her a few times. And then he gets a phone call and it's Sharon. He's like, we've had noise complaints. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, we've received several phone calls. Is there anything wrong? Like, ah, oh, I just had an unwanted guest. Mm-hmm. Do we need to send somebody up? Do we need Maybe. to send a dinner reservation? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, do we need to make a dinner reservation? I'll let you know. I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. So she's trying to drag herself out the door and he picks her up. He's like, no, no. And he's like, where's Yosef? So he's like, I'm not telling you anything. He's like, Perkins, do you really want to die here? <laughs> and he's like, you got to give me something. So she tells him, she tells him where one of Vigo's safe houses are for where he keeps all his money. Right. So then you hear a gun cock and he's like, do I know you? Like, I'm thinking so. Mm-hmm. And he turns around and it's, uh, what is that guy? Harry. Harry, yeah. Clark he Peters. Looks, he looks like a Harry. Yeah. I like him. And then he's like, John, Harry, you feel like doing a little catch and release? <laughs> and you feel like, you feel like earning, the, oh no, he's a like, you feel like, coin. you feel like earning a coin? And he's like, catch and release? Yeah. So I don't know if this is the correct order, but he, he's, he's getting ready in the morning. She's tied up. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is how you treat a lady. He's like, you, miss, are no lady. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, how about you feel like earning more than a gold coin, more than a coin? She's mm-hmm. like, you broke the rules of the Continental, and that has consequences. Mm-hmm. And while he's talking, she breaks her thumb and then attacks him and shoots him with his own gun, which was, yeah, that was a uh, Smith & Wesson 586. Mm-hmm. Was, was it the other one that's stainless? Was that stainless or blued? I think it was blued. 586. I didn't nice, really notice. Nice little revolver right there. Nice 357. Mm. Nice gun. So I want one. It's a nice gun. Mm-hmm. I shot one before. It's a lot of power. Mm-hmm. All my favorite revolvers are 357. <laughs> I once owned three very nice ones at the same time before, you know, moving out of Alaska, <laughs> getting set up in California. I was like, oh, I got to get rid of these amazing guns. Oh. But anywho. Smith and Wesson 586, very nice looking revolver. Mm. And she kills him with it, his own gun, shoots him in the face. And then John is getting ready and he's, uh, he's going into a church, <laughs> the church that Miss Perkins gave away. Yeah. He walks in, he scopes around, sees where people are. Priest is walking out, walking towards him, shoots the priest in the leg, then immediately kills everybody else in the, the whole area with uh, very quickly. If there was a scene that explained what zero to hundred is, mm-hmm. this is the scene. Yeah, and then you got a priest going, "You Some motherfucker!" <laughs> and then his tattoo shows. I don't know why I gave us an Irish mother. <laughs> <laughs> priest Irish, it just feels right <laughs> or wrong, depending. It was like everybody was there. If it was like a regular church, he just walks in and then he just says, "Fuck it." Mm-hmm. Start busting off, and this is when he's first time using a rifle, I think, maybe. First time he's used one. Yeah. So he's going in. And he went through a right circle with just the pistols. Yeah, he did. And then this time in I the I mean, church, honestly, it would have felt like the rifle was the right move there, but it wouldn't, yeah. have, looked as, it wouldn't have looked as cool. But and you would think that the pistol was better in the church. <laughs> it was less discreet, and it was like, he carried in a briefcase, and it was... Mm. So... Most of the places he's been are a little bit more enclosed, except for, you know, obviously when he's the whole, the Mm -hmm. whole club scene, but like a lot of the areas he's at, it's more enclosed, you know? Oh yeah. So the pistol would be more. I mean, the rifle still would have been better, I think, (laughs) but it it wouldn't have looked as cool. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's got to take out people a bit further away up on the, you know, up on the balcony area. Yeah. 
I mean, that shot was pinpoint accurate. Mm-hmm. So he, Yusuf should have been dead. That red yeah. circle for sure. So <laughs> <laughs> he's going down a set of stairs. People hear the gunshots upstairs, so they're coming. So he shoots. He pushes the priest down closer, so they don't shoot immediately. Then he mm-hmm. pops around the corner and kills kills them guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then he hits one with a gun. And he's like, open the door to the priest who's got a shot leg who he drugged down there. He's like, I, I can't. Vigo will kill me. Mm-hmm. And then he turns, shoots the guy that he had hit with the gun, kills him. He says, and then he goes, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll kill you, huh? Yeah. yeah. So will I. <laughs> uh-huh. So he opens up. He's like, do you have any idea who you're fucking, you're dealing with? He says, yeah, I do. And then he opens everything up and he throws in little fire grenade things, yeah. burns up all the cash and money and everything. He's like, what are you going to do with all that? And then he <laughs> burn it. Burn, burns it down. Mm-hmm. So he knows exactly where that place is. It's pretty much the heart of the of Ego, Vigo's, <laughs> uh, Vigo's company. Well, it goes to show, don't put all your eggs in one basket, you dumb <laughs> son of a bitch. Right. So... <laughs> We'll get to what he, how he describes it here in a second. But he, so next, John's waiting on the, a rooftop across the street, seeing who shows up. Mm-hmm. Vigo shows up, immediately kills the priest. Mm-hmm. And then he goes around back, and then he's talking with Avi. He's like, can we recover from this? Vigo, you know what was in there, mm-hmm. which is no. no. <laughs> it's not the money. It's about everything else that he had that helped him keep control of that city. Yes. Yeah, all the leverage and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're going out in the back parking lot or area and john starts killing people mm-hmm. starts going around shooting people all of a sudden he's taking cover behind a car and all of a sudden another car rams into that one and that fucking the side of that suv hits him and he just bounces across <laughs> the screen which made me laugh the first three times i saw it what's that movie the movie that just came out with hemsworth it's the Thor. extractor the extraction. Oh. oh yeah <laughs> this had oh. the extraction i mean extraction was made after but that's that's well, exactly what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Well, these two stuntmen turned directors are inspiring. Mm-hmm. Do you know who directed the extractor? Mm-mm. A stuntman. <laughs> that explains that was... the whole fight scene and everything. They had the camera angles for that movie that just no. Damn. Like I think, as far as Netflix movies goes, they've done a few pretty good ones. They're really they have really good shows. That one surprised the fuck out of me. If there's one person I know that can go toes with John Wick, it's probably that Hemsworth guy. Mm, Hemsworth was a little bit more realistic. Mm. I don't think he's got anything on the Wick, who's <sighs> a super villain with a gun. Well, the stories are kind of similar at the end, but it's funny. Yeah. But yeah. Movie's good, though. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what? It's going to take like four <laughs> years. That fucker's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so... John's gets taken out. Mm-hmm. Next thing we know, he's tied up inside the church. Mm-hmm. This is some scaffold. <laughs> yeah, there's some scaffolding in there. They're doing some renovations in that wing. <laughs> and then we have the first meeting, actual meeting face-to-face of John and Vigo. Vigo, yeah. Even though John's tied up, Vigo, for the most part, is still showing him a lot of respect mm-hmm. and talking to him like an old friend. Yeah. He's like, he's, so, upset. he's like, do you have any idea what was in there? <laughs> how bad that is he's like yeah i kind of like that he's like oh you kind of like and then he fucking hits him you know because he's like is he's st-. that's the only response when he's you're being taunted by a person that's in a chair tied mm-hmm. up yeah <laughs> but like vigo does his talking and you're like ah 
I like Vigo. Yeah. And then John does the most talking he does all movie. He's like, you know, True. people have been asking me <laughs> if I'm back. And until right now, I didn't really know what to say. But now I'm thinking, yeah, I'm back. And then he's like, give me your son and I will let you live. Mm-hmm. He's saying this from a chair. He's like, that's what I liked about you, John. You always had a certain audacity about you. <laughs> and he's like, just so surprised that John is still being John. You've, you really are the John of old. Mm-hmm. I must say, yeah, you really are the John of old. Yeah, this kind of, the way that Vigo explains the situation is what kind of... Yeah, it humanizes him even more. Yeah. You really do, like, you sympathize for John, but the most realistic part, like, you you empathize with Vigo. Mm-hmm. You, you understand his position. He's like, you got to go off and live your life. You got your wife. Yeah. Me, I had my son. Mm-hmm. I think you got the better deal. <laughs> he doesn't like his son. He knows he sucks. He knows that he's not doesn't live up to his generation of criminals and how he's never will. Mm-mm. But it's still his son, and he yeah. couldn't just let John have him. Yeah. So he's like, "It was a fucking dog. Why did we have to like he do, he doesn't want it like he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be killing John. He just wish it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You empathize with that. Yeah. He, he doesn't like the situation that they're both in. Yeah. He wishes like, he wish if he could wish it away, he would. It's like sure dumb luck mm-hmm. and, and he that, explains that they were both cursed and, and, he's like, and that we can both agree on mm-hmm. he's like it's just just your dumb a curse brought us back together mm-hmm. he agrees on that but then he's like he's a fucking puppy <sighs> but then he explains that it wasn't just a puppy it's longer than this but it gave him a chance to mourn for his wife not alone mm-hmm. he just didn't take that away from me Vigo says something there that was like, damn. When he talked about why God took his wife away, I oh, was like, God damn, yeah. oh my gosh, that was. It's the- like, you're cur- like that's why, that's why God took your wife away. <sighs> and that's why he brought you back into my life. Like, damn. Because they're cursed. Damn. Yeah, it was fucking cold. Yeah, that was cold, but that was, it set in in a way where John, it hit him. It did hit him a little bit. I was like, oof. But you still don't dislike Vigo. No, nah. We're going to find out as we do the rest of these movies. None of the villains are, as, are cool like Vigo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, the comedy, and it, it goes towards the end, but yeah, we'll get to it, though. He, the overall. He kept, he kept the tone lighthearted enough, yeah. too, that like you, can, you don't get... There had to be something to break up the violence and it was always the Vigo. drama. And there's it always Vigo. always Vigo. Even... You can tell that he loved John... You know, mm-hmm. and that he considered him kind of like family as much as someone like Vigo can. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not. Yeah. You know, but it's like he really, really likes him. Yeah, and he didn't. He just he didn't want to be there. Stupid. That's why he's his stupid fucking mm-hmm. son put him in that situation. That's why he's so mad at his son. But what happens is he's basically done. You know, he's like, I I, I gotta go. I yeah. like fucking kill him. Yeah. And then he leaves, and then right just when they're about, they, they're, they're suffocating him with a plastic bag over his head, and then... Blood splatter, head shot, sniper, of course. Marcus on the roof across the street. Mm-hmm. That gives John enough time to... He falls backwards, frees himself, gets the bag off his head, and then starts fighting Vigo's main dude. Krillin. Krillin. 
Krillin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Krill. Krillin. <laughs> so he ends up killing Krillin, and then he fucking he goes out. He sees Vigo's car driving around, so he runs out the back, <laughs> and he runs up. He runs out the back with his shotgun and starts I shooting. He killed Mayhem. Not yet. Yeah, he didn't. It was his Mm-mm. driver, and I was like, "Where was Mayhem?" Because Mayhem was with him the whole time. That's a good question. Shotgun, and then oh, maybe he's just sitting in the back, scared. <laughs> so he shoots the driver, jumps up on the SUV, and is pointing at him, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" <laughs> I started dying. He's laughing. so funny. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> this he's is like, the part I didn't. I mean, for someone who. Is that dangerous of a man that you know of took out pretty much your life savings in that at that point? You didn't want to make sure he was dead. You didn't want to make just shoot again. It's like he respected him and had a sense of love for him. Yeah, he probably didn't want to see that. He probably didn't want to see that. Mm. And you you actually get that from when he's talking with Marcus later about how he has a certain a reverence for the old guard of mm-hmm. things, you know, and like, yeah, the old guard. Cause he, he's watched things change. Mm-hmm. And even though he's more powerful than he used to be, who he's powerful over isn't the people he came up with that were worth respecting. Mm-hmm. So it's like he became King, but it wasn't over the world that he, you know, loved. Mm-hmm. So you could just tell it's, it's different between him and Got the old school guys. That makes so sense. I can imagine he didn't want to see it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. He's like, coolie, 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 coolie. So you know that guy's not Russian, right? Huh? You know that guy's not Russian, right? What? Swedish. <sighs> He's good. He's good. Yeah, he was in, you know, the girl with the dragon tattoo? Mm-hmm. He was in the original Swedish trilogy. I gotta watch that, but I seen the beginning of it. Is that the one where she's in a train? The girl with the dragon tattoo? She's like on a train and No, you're like... thinking of the girl on the train. Oh fuck. Never mind. Different movie. <laughs> they did the American remake, but is that the same director? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I think that other one's just in a David Fincher movie. Swedish man plays a really good Russian. Mm-hmm. But so he finally he's like, Where's Yosef? Like, all right. He tells him where he is and he's like they know you're coming. And he's like, yeah, that's not going to matter. Yeah. So, <laughs> cut to him ready. He's wearing a nice little turtleneck number now. Mm-hmm. And they're calling, check in, check in. It's he also t- told him to pull the contract at that point. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Pull the contract. Mm-hmm. I Done. love it when you catch these little details that I keep forgetting. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that means I was that's paying attention. To. We, yeah, that is. I'm <laughs> proud of you. It's why we need each other. <laughs> so, pull the contract. All right, pull the contract. Mm-hmm. It's perfect, actually. His God, Vigo's so good. So done. Yeah, done. <sighs> he knows where Yosef is. Finally, mm-hmm. they're calling each other around. Vigo's little fucking buddy that he punks all the time is playing video games. He's turning off that fucking video game. And he's like, check in, and then that guy's dead. Mm-hmm. John ends up checking in for him. You know. Yeah. Then as soon as he check that fucking video game, he's playing Call of Duty or some shit. Yeah, it was he wasn't doing too good in it. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Neither was neither's his crew. And I felt like he had earphones on for no reason because I think the sound in that game was making Yosef irritated. But he had earphones on. Maybe they could have been open back. Yeah, maybe <laughs> <They're> open back. <laughs> like these over here, they're open back. Yeah. That's why I don't wear them. You could hear it. <laughs> 
So shoots him. <laughs> so yeah, John's got a rifle. He just starts taking out everybody, mm-hmm. and then he's shooting everybody. And Yosef starts running, kills Yosef's buddy. I'm like, did he blow up all the cars before or after Yosef is running downstairs to try to get to the SUVs before, right? He blew up before, yeah. Yeah, he blew up people. And that's the second instance of really questionable CGI that I could have done without. Mm. All the explosions were super fake, and then the fire also was fake. That's that's probably- How realistic this movie is, it just kind of takes you out of it briefly, you know? And that's probably the only reason why John- used explosives because <laughs> like all right this we gotta we gotta do something with the cg actually and they're like it really just goes to the movie they're like they're gonna blow up one sv is like blow blow all off. <laughs> that was like an actual conversation i can't remember where i read that <laughs> it makes sense to everybody yeah blow, blow them, them all, all up. up yeah i would have rather gone with none because <laughs> there's no point to he could have just shot yosef yeah because he did he's <laughs> like he shot him in the leg and he falls down and before he could even say it was a just a fucking puppy again, is it just a, a killed him? Puppy. No wasted, no no mm-hmm. no time wasting, no no cherishing the moment. Mm-hmm. He's dead. Yeah, I'm done. He's pulling out, and you would think that was the climax of it. It kind of was. It should have been. Yeah, almost. It, it, actually, yeah. Actually, I would have liked to have seen more. Because they had that slow mo. They had that slow mo of like this is it, you know, and then. So he goes. He checks out of the Continental. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Shron gives him a uh, new charger, <laughs> whatever. As a product placement, mm-hmm. gives him a new charger is kind of like a, uh, a an sorry, apology. Yeah, yeah apology. Sorry that your room got broken into and somebody tried mm-hmm. killing you. Mm-hmm. Here's a charger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I need to go to this Continental. Yeah. It's one of the nice ones. Mm-hmm. So he's he's driving off, and when he's driving away, he gets a call from Vigo. Mm-hmm. So, oh no, 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 no he no, goes because no. he meets up with Marcus. Mm-hmm. He meets up with Marcus. Was that before or after he checks out? No, no. This is, he meets up with Marcus after he checks out. Okay. So he meets up with Marcus looking at, that's the Brooklyn Bridge, right? Yeah. And then that bitch had to be there out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. She was just spying on him like a piece of shit. Bitch. Yeah. And Bean then. Perkins. <laughs> Perkins being Perkins. I hate Perkins. So Perkins is spying on people. Mm-hmm. The contract was pulled though. Yeah. They're allowed to meet up. Mm-hmm. But. After Vigo's son's dead, he's just like he's he's smoking he's smoking weed to try to relax as his son's getting killed. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets the call, you know. And he's like, "Make the arrangements." Yeah, <sighs> he gets the call, make the arrangements. But then we find out that she ratted on Marcus. Mm-hmm. They're all surrounding Marcus, take him into his house. He's like, "Let's get this over with, whatever the fuck this is." Mm-hmm. Puts his watch down like John, and there's Perkins. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "She's like in for a penny, in for a pound." Yep, piece of shit. <laughs> She's just trying to get that money she didn't get on John. Yeah, this is a scene. You already know what's coming. So yeah, he's basically, he's fucking Marcus up. A little bit of torture, he gets stabbed in the leg. Mm-hmm. Marcus doesn't give up anything. Yep, Marcus then, is cold-blooded. Yeah, he ends up killing, killing Marcus, but calls John while he's there. Marcus goes out like a fucking boss. Yeah, he's, he's like, you go out on my terms. And he's, yeah, he's like, like, yeah, so he, no. he, he gets up, he kills two more of Ego's men. Bitch Perkins. And then Perkins gets him just before he can get Perkins. If he if he didn't have to kill those two first, he would have got Perkins easy. Yeah. He's like, no, I got on my terms. I wish he would have killed Perkins. I know. Perkins got a too good of a kill for her. Mm-hmm. Too quick. Yeah, but we'll get to her. We'll get to that dump. Mm-hmm. So after your Marcus is killed, Perkins is walking away mm-hmm. and immediately gets surrounded. And Ian McShane's character, Winston, 
Yep. You broke the rules of the Continental. Your membership is hereby revoked. She got caught in own hand. She got a call from Sharon. Remember that? That's why she even went there. Which is weird that she got a she got a call from Sharon, and she went down to that. I forgot that Sharon called her. Yeah, she called. It's like Miss Perkins, and then it cuts to her walking down. Which, if you're her and you know that you broke the Continental rule, like it's and Sharon calls you, he's been she's been around long enough to know all the rules. She knows right. what's going on. She knows it's what's like, going it's on. Basic, she basically committed suicide. She, that's exactly what she did. Maybe she wanted to die. Yeah. And then Winston shows Maybe up. that's why you go after John Wick at the Continental, is you want to die. The, the way that she, she was- probably hated a, herself. <laughs> the way she was executed, these motherfuckers had great aim. <laughs> so, there's four of them. They all shot between two of the other ones. <laughs> Otherwise, they would have shot each other if they shot straight. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. <laughs> so yeah, Perkins died. Mm. And then we see, who's the cleaner? Is it Kuzma? Keith Jardine? No. Who is the cameo guy for Warriors? Monroe? He's not on my list. Oh, no. He's not on my list. Son of a bitch. Damn. He I'm had a cameo. I didn't give him the... I'm going to call him Toby Leonard Moore, even less one of, not him at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the Russian goons. Ah, we'll get him later. All right. So we see him. He gets a gold coin for cleaning, grabbing Perkins' body. Mm-hmm. Did we mention how good they were at cleaning John's house? <laughs> they had the two guys whose job it was to wrap bodies in cellophane, and then they got two guys squeegeeing all the blood off the floor. <laughs> yeah. They're good. A bunch yeah. of big, big dudes that are good at handling bodies. Yeah. Cleaning windows. Mm-hmm. Um, so Perkins is dead. Mm-hmm. And then John gets a call from Winston. He's mm-hmm. like, there are rules, so you don't know that there's a certain someone at a certain airstrip taking off in a helicopter in a half hour, basically, or yeah. whatever he said. Field for a certain someone. Like, oh. mm-hmm. So you got those guys in an, another SUV mm-hmm. driving to this helicopter, yep. and they get run into by John's new charger. <laughs> this John is fucks when, that charger up. This is when Vigo is at his most hilarious, because he, he already knows what's going to happen. He's just... He's waiting. He's already accepted it. Mm-hmm. So he's having fun with it. He's just playing it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he starts, they're getting run, they're getting run into, he's just laughing. <laughs> yeah. he's like, and he's like, like, shoot him. Avi's freaking out. <laughs> he's like, and then what, why was he getting hit? I need hit? a gun, like, I need a fucking gun. <laughs> that was a good one when they were getting hit. Like, <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. And then he plays, Avi's asking for a gun, looking for a gun. Bigo has one the whole time. And he's like, in Russian, hands it to him. In <laughs> English, Vigo, please. Good luck. Good luck. You even plays tug of war with the game. <laughs> <laughs> Just a fuck with the hobby. It's like st- Russian cocksucker. Yeah. And then meanwhile, John's been fucking killing everybody that got out of the, all the henchmen that are out running. He's like hitting them with cars and shit. Yeah. And Avi could have killed him. Yeah. Oh, that one <laughs> almost. He hit that one and he rolled as he was rolling over the roof. He's shooting through the roof. You know, oh, kill yeah, him. yeah. And then Avi shoots a gun for the first time, and the fact that it almost hit him made Avi so, so happy, happy <laughs> that he stopped shooting at him. So he shoots Avi in the leg, and Avi goes down to his knees, and then John fucking just sideswipes him with the car, and that's how, and Avi gets hit with the car door and starts kind of bleeding at the mouth, basically. I was like, this is mayhem all over again, right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, yeah, he got fucked up. And then the SUV... Vigo hits him with the SUV and he's pushing the car over the edge. And so he's of this was that like a forty foot drop. Yeah, at least. And so he's the charge. Charge is about to go. Out. So he gets it out the back window and barely jumps out in time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> by the time he gets out, Vigo is 
already close to the landing script for the helicopter that he's pretty much there which doesn't make sense at the point where he just waits for john wick to come catch up to him because he knew well i think it's more of like at least i i give excuses for some actions you know obviously i've been like but i think it's like he all right so you remember what he said to marcus he's like you go out on my terms Mm -hmm. it's a control thing a power thing if he knows there's a solid chance that he's dying Mm -hmm. he at least wants to choose the battleground Mm So he chose the spot. John's walking up. He's like, no more guns, no more, guns. no more bullets. He's like, John's like, doesn't say it nearly as cool. He's like, no more guns, no yeah. more bullets. He's repeating it monotone. Mm-hmm. Vigo sounded cool when he said it. Yeah. And he's pretty much Vigo committing suicide because he can't go toes. <laughs> John's had a rough one. I mean, if anybody was going to, Vigo might do something. They have a, they have a good little fight. Yeah. Vigo ends up getting, all right. So here's another thing. They're fighting. Vigo's got his knife. John catches his arm. And to get the knife, John stabs himself in the gut to break Vigo's arm. Come on. Is that the best move? No, but it's a very John move. He's like, he sacrifices his own body constantly because he, he knows it's not going to stop him. Mm. So he stabs himself, gets the knife, breaks Vigo's arm. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. But then he stabs. He Troy, what's his name? Off of Troy. Brad Hector. Pitt. Oh, Achilles? He fucking Achilles stabbed Vigo in the shoulder. And that's the thing. <laughs> he got stabbed by the collarbone. I don't know what he hit. Because it wasn't... It was that an angle? It's a short knife. What did he hit? <sighs> what did he hit that Vigo's dying within 10, 20 seconds? That's my third... What the mm-hmm. fuck's that about? Mm-hmm. So... <sighs> <laughs> So Vigo gets the nice few words out. Rest in peace, favorite villain of all time, mm. most likable <laughs> villain ever in my mind. So Vigo dies, he, John walks off, and then it cuts to where we opened. Mm. John kind of, you hear John's phone talking again. Let's go home, John. Mm-hmm. You know, the video of his wife. Yep. She says that in the video, let's go home, John. He pops back up. Yeah. And then he kind of hobbles into the building by where he's at. For some reason, there's some kind of animal shelter. <laughs> the but we're at the same place that they have helicopters. In all types and of... He patches himself work. up, which definitely seemed like the opening scene of Born Supremacy. Yeah. Supremacy? This, no. Ultimatum from the scene from, before from Supremacy? Yeah, that's the ticket. The opening scene from Born Ultimatum that takes place right after Born Supremacy. So, he's in there. He's cleaning himself up at a veterinary clinic. And yeah, he's a beautiful, beautiful blue-nosed pit bull. Mm-hmm. Beautiful dog. Yeah. He takes that dog out. And he's like, let's go home. That's a real dog. Yeah. <laughs> I like that dog better than the beagle. Mm-hmm. For sure. Even though that beagle was cute. That dog is, I love that dog. Yeah. You see more of him in the other movies. Mm-hmm. But so he's like, let's go home. Let's go home, John. Then he says, same thing his wife said, let's go home. Because that's mm-hmm. his new family. Yeah. He immediately just claimed him. Yeah. Because he, un- he understood what that meant, you know? He got what his wife was saying. Yeah. So, amazing ending. Mm-hmm. Really, really good stuff. So, thoughts. We can go on the key ingredients. You're saving it. I could, you got something. All right. <laughs> All right. I put key ingredients, what things were instrumental in making. Oh, wait. Dope scenes. We should at least go through the list of the highlights. I put Battle at the Wick Residence. Mm-hmm. 
the house raid, I suppose I said. Mm-hmm. And then I get complete mayhem at the Red Circle. Mm-hmm. John kills Yosef. <laughs> yeah. Which is just satisfying. Killing Yosef, yeah. Yeah. John and Vigo square up. <laughs> I didn't even put the John and Vigo square up. I put the house raid, Ariello's, Vigo. You know, Ariel's is a good scene. I like yeah. that. I actually like that you chose that, and I mm-hmm. didn't even think. I'm so used to it. You know, I've seen it so many times. Yeah. I'm like, I like that you chose that because, you know, I've seen that this movie so many times in the last five years. Yeah. You know, because I didn't see it till it was out on video. Because mm-hmm. I just heard a couple things like, you should, you should watch John Wick. Yeah. Well, I like because Ariel's and the, the Vigo in explaining the story was like all in the same kind of scene. So it was like. No, was like, I, I like that choice. Yeah. Good. No, I'm glad you, I'm glad you used that one. Yeah. There's no question in my mind for me, the red circle. Yeah, the red, the red circle for sure. Dopest scene. Dopest scene. Mid-movie. Mm-hmm. Dopest it's scene. so weird. Mm-hmm. All right. Key ingredients, what things were instrumental in making it work. I put the screenwriting and early development from Derek Kolstad. Then I put Keanu Reeves' involvement, which brought further development of all characters, and the idea to bring Chad Stahelski and David Leitch and eventually have them direct. And I put the action and direction of Chad and da- that David brought so good this movie's not it took all this like it's like one of those things it felt like they caught lightning in a bottle and there's no way they could replicate it Mm -hmm. but we'll get into that in the second movie because they they they're able to replicate replicate it's a different movie but it had a lot of the same things that make it work but with the volume turned up and then production and costume design Mm -hmm. they did a really good job of fleshing out this world without going i like a fully realized world like that yeah and i like that they just let it be that world. They didn't feel the need to explain too much. Yeah, you know, good, it, good point. You could just think about it later. That was that a good kind of catch. Make, it makes you think more. I don't like to be spoon-fed shit. That, that was good. That's good. Yeah, I don't like yeah, to be spoon-fed stuff. Yeah, good job. Yeah, that, that was a good catch. Because it made it just enough where you understood it, but it was one of those things where it's a different world, so you kind of it gives that mystery of you'd want to know more. And it gave... It, the point of this movie is the action. Nobody can argue that. Yeah. But what makes all the action scenes string together work is all the extra work that was put into everything else that was really peripheral. Mm -hmm. But it holds everything. It holds all the action together in a satisfying way. It's a good story, even though people make fun of the concept of like, he goes on a killing spree because somebody killed his dog. I'm like, (laughs) if you say it like that, yes, it sounds dumb. But knowing the story, no, it's not dumb at all. It's not. It couldn't be more right. Yeah. So it's all that that holds it together. You know, they put a lot of work into the binding material of all this action. Yeah. When really it is just about the action and John. Yeah. But everything that holds it all in place, they put so much work into it that it's just hard not to love. Yeah. So I liked all of it. You had a lot of great points that I just, I didn't even think about, but it was what for sure a key ingredient. That was a key ingredient. What do you got? I just put Keanu Reeves, needed a seasoned actor known for his stunt work, retired assassin, but has the demeanor to carry out a restrained, emotionless character, but keeps the character aligned with the story. Only Keanu Reeves could have pulled off the demeanor that he was in and then the way that he performed that that scene. It was like good old Keanu Reeves back in the Matrix feels all over again kind of for me. So definitely... I don't think if they would have had someone else, it wouldn't have worked at all. So, yeah. So the casting was Vigo's. All the characters in it were were casted 
perfectly for what they were cast for. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Also, bringing in cinematography, we, we pretty much touched upon it. The buildup of John's character, the, the use of life struggle, the fight scenes at the pace validated what specialized John's character, his ability to adapt to each fight using just his pistol, just created more of the why he stands above all assassins in this world. So it just because you want to know what makes him different from all these other assassins who are still around and stuff. What he did in that movie just validated it. Yeah. You know? He's the Wayne Gretzky, the Michael Jordan, the LeBron, the Kobe, the fucking Babe Ruth, the Ken Riffey Jr. of killing. Mm-hmm. He's all them rolled into one. Yeah. If any of them sons of bitches took five years off, <laughs> they're not walking back in. They're getting schooled by all the youngsters. Yeah. Not John Wick. Mm-mm. So... He is, he stands above. Yeah. More so than anybody else that's ever been the best at their game. You walk away for a little bit, you're not the same person you used to be. Right. You're not, the muscle memory starts fading, you know? Mm-hmm. But not with John. Mm-hmm. So that's why John is an actual living Le- yeah. legend. Yeah. So yeah, that was, those are key ingredients. Goes right into the necessary ingredients. I actually put music. <laughs> so the score's really good, but... The non-score works really well too, doesn't it? I just can't imagine the Marilyn Manson shit working in any other movie. Yeah. Especially, it's weird that it works in this movie. It does. When you think of it in a general sense, it wouldn't have worked. But that's why I say music could have been, it just was like iffy for me a little bit. But I still, it still worked for the movie. Yeah. So was that in your key ingredients or not? What didn't work? And it was unnecessary ingredients. It could have, the soundtrack couldn't. Aside from the music of the nightclub? Mm-hmm. I think that was necessary, but everything else could have been just the yeah. score because the score was actually really well done. Mm-hmm. I put in unnecessary ingredients, too many cliches, you know, just him not being able to kill Yusuf and letting it draw out. A lot of the things were just cliche, but yeah. Other than that, it was good. Oh, this is oh, good. This is where I felt like this should have just been a one movie thing. And it should have never been remade or like a sequel. It should have had, because I felt like John Wick was trying to die. Otherwise, he wouldn't have, every fight scene, and you asked me if I'm wrong, I mean, to let me know if I'm wrong. It almost felt like every fight scene, he got sloppier. Well, so he's getting more and, and more he's tired. tired. But it's the way that he's moving, it's like he just wants to get this done, whether he's 100% no. or not. So I felt like he was just trying to kill himself. I think that ties more to what Vigo said about him. A man of of purpose. A man of commitment. Sheer fucking will. Yeah. It's totally he's agree. Gonna, he's going to finish that or die. One or the other. There's just, he doesn't care if he dies on the way. He's if going he to do it. If he died at the end of all of that, I felt like this would have been a really, really good, one of the best movies because most people would want more from that. It would have been like a play, like almost because... They play with life. They talk about life in a way where it's what he was trying to do. He was trying to build this new life away from being an assassin. And because of this bad luck that everyone I went through it, a lot of people can relate to it. It felt like it was more of how life has its this fucked up way of playing with us where regardless of what we do, we we always come back to our roots. And so if he would have died at the end, John Wick would have died. I think would have set this... Almost like a Romeo and Juliet movie. So. Play. Cause he, all right, so he could have died right there, right? Mm-hmm. And if he would have just sat there and not patched himself up, maybe he would have in that world. Right. You know? 
But what's his wife say? Let's go home. Let's go home. What did his wife want for him? To look at life, pretty much find life life again. again, Yeah. So he wants to honor his wife's last wish. I feel that. Okay, I feel that. It's just ah, to me, it was like let's go home. It almost felt like he could have just died, and it would have been. I mean, honestly, it would have been home. It would have made. It honestly would have made sense Mm -hmm. if he died right there. And then he would have been like, I'm. But they soon. wanted to do a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what actually, you know, the extractor. Yeah. That character was supposed to be dead. Yeah. But they kind of put his silhouette there to leave it I open hate for that. a sequel. I hate that they did that. Because now I, I'm like, oh, please, please, please. No, that me too. They're going to do one. I yeah. Like, I hated it too. I, I hope like, oh, so. I want a sequel. But John Wick 2, it's a lot of the same thing. It's like he gets something happens that he needs to see through. Mm. And it still honors his wife's memory. But it might be about that pit bull. <laughs> it's not about the pit bull. Okay. But somebody takes away something that had a lot of value to him, and we'll watch that movie. Then we start getting to the third one, and it just seems like, what's the drive here? <laughs> so you should watch, after I leave, or tomorrow, you should watch two and three. Because okay. I have them on the stuff that we have, you know? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Good, good stuff. Yeah. Unnecessary ingredients. What I think I just put mm, just the bad parts of CGI. <laughs> what do you think? Remade, late sequel, let it die. Too soon and no. No. You know what I also had in my head? What if Quentin Tarantino had made this movie? Well, so, so Mike brought that up the other day. Like, Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite directors. You mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. And he can do action. But his action is based more on dialogue and moving along his yeah, his, like his world story yeah no this movie is action mm-hmm. tarantino will reference and copy certain types of action but it's like it's he's got a different it's a different wheelhouse he has a different skill set this is those aren't the type of movies he makes yeah no this is wholly like you know I love that the guys that did it i i did when you talk when you say the stuntmen there's a reason why all of those those fight scenes were so good because they understood what is needed for a fight mm-hmm. scene. Difference between this one and the later ones more, they brought in a bunch of, they brought in some Hong Kong choreographers to work with them, you know, and to kind of like block out all that action that was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then train a bit differently. You could actually even, but between one and two, he trained a lot more with firearms the next time, a lot more firearm training for like so he was training like that. a three gun and everything yeah, yeah. at Terran Tactical. <laughs> Apparently the guy that runs that place is a fucking creep. But <laughs> <laughs> Of course Keanu would know him. <laughs> no, like he trains a bunch of like Hollywood people up there in his compound or whatever down, down by LA. And apparently the dude's a fucking creep. That's why when you watch videos that take place where they're all training for shooting in movies, mm-hmm. that's why every, every female that works there is wearing a sports bra. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, the dude that runs it's a fucking creep. But uh-huh. Yeah, so it's like his style of shooting and clearing a room and everything changed between movies. They actually brought him Navy SEALs and shit for room clearing exercises. So it gets better? Yeah, it gets better. I liked the style from this. All right, so I read about it after I first watched it. You notice his way of holding the gun two-handed? Yeah. Slightly askew? Yeah. Not like gangster cock, but like Mm-mm, it's just slightly like... askew and he takes his elbows and it's it really is just, it really sells his movement efficiency about mm-hmm. what he's like, he's, he's keeping it tight and close and at an angle, but he can see that whole room, you know, I don't, 
know if it works in real life. I just know that it's selling how conservative he is about what he's doing. Perfect. He wants to keep himself yeah. everywhere around, and it's just the way it moves. Cool. Like, like he honestly, the way he is, he like he. It's very he's moving and the guns move. Yeah, they call it sight acquisition. I don't, like, I don't know if it'd be faster that way, but he definitely is fully aware of what's around him. Yeah, and it makes it, it looks, makes, it makes it you feel right. like that's the way you need to do it. Yeah, it looks right. <laughs> yeah. And then, so it's got a different style later. So it's like something I don't like in the, in the sequels. But I mean, he's trained by actual experts at that point. So it's like that's probably obviously more realistic. Yeah. But it looks better in this one. I gotta watch him. I gotta watch him. You'll get it next. Yeah. So. We've been skipping over this question a lot lately. I don't know if you have anything, but any questions after viewing or did it make you think anything different? You know, what themes or anything? A lot of our movies are been action movies, so it's like we're not getting too much into it. But for you, anything? It was part of the whole, the legacy. ingredients. Huh? Mm. Yeah, legacy was... I got legacy stuff. I just don't have the stuff from the questions and themes shit. Yeah, well, so what's the film's legacy? All right, so this movie not only revitalized Keanu Reeves' career... <laughs> It launched the stuntman turned director trend in Hollywood, which is two very fucking cool things. See, not knowing that they were stuntmen, I should have just, I don't know why I didn't go into detail with the director because the cinematography was part of the reason why they fucking dope. Well, I mean, that's that's the, I mean, you'll notice the lighting and cinematography is a lot different as things go on, like especially by the third movie. But yeah, the cinematography, I like that you're looking at all that stuff now. Yeah, I'm starting to key in on it, which is, We'll get into it later, but yeah, in a later podcast. But yeah, it's 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 opening up my third eye for sure. Yeah, I thought the with the legacy was just get, get, revitalized Keanu's career for sure. It did. Everybody who loved the Matrix trilogies had to go right into the John Wicks because of the fact that it was Keanu Reeves in this feel good again. Oh mm-hmm. shit, it's Keanu Reeves again. Yeah, so I that was my biggest part of the film's legacy i didn't get into the directors like i should have but yeah definitely i can see the stuntman's point of view on this one mm-hmm. where can people see the movie i didn't find it for free when i looked but you can definitely rent or buy it on amazon or voodoo yeah or youtube youtube has mostly everything and i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so man we about have enough movies to fill out a complete our first season yeah it has been a freaking it's been a ride you know how long we've been doing this i want to say almost eight months yeah and we all the fucking covid shit and people's work schedules man a lot of people i don't know we just we've had so much going on in our personal lives as well like in doing we haven't wanted to try recording both remotely at home yet yeah no we'll we're gonna find out yeah eventually we're gonna have to start doing more of it otherwise we'll never keep up (laughs) Yeah. If we don't start doing that, eventually I'm going to be lying when I say each and every week <laughs> we're about to run out of shit quick. But we're almost got enough recordings Record. done for to a first season. Might even do extras and then cherry pick for the first season because, I mean, we're talking way too long from what I would have thought when we first started. But mm-hmm. I feel like we're having a lot of good conversations. So, yeah. you know, we're going to make it as long as we make them. And if you don't like them, sorry, let us know. Yeah. We'll try to be faster, but every time we think we're going to be fast, man, it takes twice as long. <laughs> this is the longest one we've done. Yeah. Every time we think, like, this should go quick, the longest one we've done. <laughs> and then the one that I thought was going to take forever was our shortest one. <laughs> we've got to change it down. <laughs> yeah. Need a first instinct's wrong on these shits. So, uh, hey, thanks for listening. We love you. Appreciate you. I don't know what order we're going to release these at, but you'll hear us next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you.